Hey everybody, welcome back to another great episode of Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Today is Turdos, Evening Star the 19th, and you are just 105 days away from the launch of Elder Scrolls Online. We're going to get into a whole bunch of different topics today, so strap yourselves in. You might be intrigued for another big old fat three-hour episode. Um, discussion topics, we're going to be talking about last week's Ask Us Anything progression article from ZeniMax Online Studios. Also, MMORPG.com's launch date announcement analysis, as well as a live Q&A with Brian Wheeler from the Elitist Jerks, and preview of the Emperor's Armor Set. Oh yeah. This week in The Elder Scroll, Lou is going to present... Lou, you're going to have to say that for me. <laughs> I was waiting for you to try it. <laughs> the Alibaba what? <laughs> no, no, close. The Abadala with the memoirs of Mora Hals. Okay, we're going to be doing that. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> as well as a brand new feature this week. We've got a new section called This Week's Tamrielic Holidays. And we're going to explain exactly what Northwind's Prayer on Evening Star the 15th and Barenth Doe on Evening Star the 18th was. This is brought to you by the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages at UESP.net. Also, we've got your Dev Question of the Week, Host Mod Challenge of the Week. Lou will report on his gameplay in Become a Bard, a Skyrim mod. And, of course, your emails. According to Dave, I am a Varwin the Holy, and I will be your humble host. This evening, and I am not alone. Of course, I've got the one and only Lewis the Lore Master Olan with me today. That's not his title. <laughs> also known as Lou the Mighty. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, chat room. What's going on? Hello, Lou. And there he is, Dave Deanforce Adams, who once ate a whole sandwich. Dave the I Beautiful. Still have that up. You still have that up, dude. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> definitely there. <laughs> Dave the Beautiful. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello, Dave. You're looking quite lovely today. I'm not wearing pants. Oh. Wow. Ew. That's horrific. <laughs> Uh, moving along, of course, uh, we are also joined by our wonderful chat room. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for, for coming in. Please, uh, we hope you uh, enjoy. And uh, we've got some, some nice uh, uh, nice cameos coming in today. Uh, we got Kyle from ShoddyCast, who's, who's uh, going to be hanging out in our chat room, as he does uh, each week as well. Shank's not here because he's dead, and no one cares. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <He's not. laughs> yes, we do care. We sent roses, and we were all like in the card. We don't care. Ha 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 ha. No, he's uh, he's on his way to Boston. And I believe he's he's already uh, touched down and landed, and he's uh, going to see the Hobbit tonight. So we hate you. Yeah, we um we don't like him right now. No. We hate him. Not... Sorry, <laughs> we hate him. Dirty shanks's. We hate him. <laughs> Dirty stinking shanks's. <laughs> 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 
Dave, do me a favor and grab something quick to mention, please. Oh, I will grab something quick to mention. Oh, my. <laughs> yes. Uh, something quick to mention is that this week, this episode, is our final episode of the year. Oh, and it's been a good one, hasn't it? It's been a great uh, year. Yes. Had a lot of ups and downs and sideways this year, it was, but it, it was memorable. All of QGN, in fact, is taking off the week of Christmas as well as New Year's through New Year's. Our next show, uh, which will be episode 94, will be the first show back for the network, and that's at 7 p.m. Eastern on January 2nd, or as some loser in this room likes to say, Morningstar the 2nd. That's right, Morningstar the 2nd, guys. If you prefer a more accurate date, that is. <laughs> so thank you all for joining and uh happy holidays to everybody but we will see y'all next year uh it's been a great show my name is dave d and force adams no one cares shadow hide you shadow. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we're gonna roll directly into our discussion topics so be prepared we've got the ask us anything progression Coming right on up. In their tongue, he's Dovahkiin. Dragonborn. In their tongue, he's Dovahkiin. Dragonborn. That's what happens on live. <laughs> You might get double bumpers. Oh, or sometimes, like last week, you just get them delayed. And I have to cut it out. <laughs> Dave, uh, please present to us the Ask Us Anything progression article. Absolutely. Um, I, I Honestly, I love being the person on camera, especially when I want to pick my nose. Last week on Morndos Evening Star the Ninth, we could Zoss see right up there anyway, dude. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Zoss released a large Ask Us Anything article that collected many questions that they and their French and German sites have received on character progression in ESO. We were going to cover it last week, but due to the massive size of the article and the importance of other topics last week, we chose to hold off. We picked out a few of the most relevant questions and answers from Zoss's Ask Us Anything progression and put them down right here for you. Uh, the first question is, if you are leveling a new armor or weapon skill line, will you take more or do less damage? And Lou, could you answer that for me? Sure. <clears throat> and Zoss answers, No. Trying out something new won't put you at a disadvantage. You can attack and defend normally, just like with the weapons or armor you were using before. You'll still want to unlock the active and passive abilities in that new skill line, though, so it will take some time before you have access to all the benefits. All right. Um, what do you think about that, Avaron? Well, let's see. Um... No, trying out something new won't put you at a disadvantage. You know, that's 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 where it needs to be. You know, um if if you're going to promote that your your game is flexible, 
that you can do anything you want um, within reason, and maybe not even within reason. You have to make all possible, you know, vi options viable, at least somewhat, and some probably, you know, work better than others in, in different situations. Um, I think if it's going to be an Elder Scrolls game, it needs to be exactly that. So that's that's what I think. Is it odd that I kind of think that you should be penalized if something's, you know, that you've not put any effort into? Well, I wouldn't say... I, I wouldn't... Ooh, see, that's, I, I'm trying to think. Penalized could be such a harsh word. But uh, I'm also... I also see what you're thinking about, Dave, what your line of reasoning is. You know, what if you're maybe some high-level character and you've got these max-level skills and these weapons, mm -hmm. you know, skills, and yet, like, for example, you're, you're, you're a total badass with a two-handed sword, but now all of a sudden you want to go switch off the two daggers. You know, should you be the same or as powerful with those two daggers as you are with a two-handed broadsword? Right. I mean, I get their reasoning. They're, right. they're saying, basically, that... You'll do the same amount of damage on a normal hit, but you won't have the skills or any of the other stuff to go along with it. I get that. Right. But honestly, I feel that a guy who's been using a broadsword for two years should be better than a guy who's been using a broadsword for two minutes. All right, yeah, I understand that. But, I mean, do you remember in the old days of, of World of Warcraft where if you put a, a new weapon yeah. in your hand... I mean, what did you have to do? You had to go all the way back to where you first came from Yep, and, uh, and I got kill... the knuckle sandwich achievement too, just to, to do that. <laughs> All right, but that was that was annoying and frustrating. Nobody liked that, and I sort of feel like this this is sort of in response to you know we're not going to have you go to you know if you want to try out a brand new a brand new armor um, piece or a brand new weapon, you know we're not going to have you go to a low level area and and hit some some mobs and for endless hours just to level up to the point where you're at and then be effective with enemies your level. Right. And I, I think... Yeah, go ahead, Dave. I think you're exactly right. Wow. Someone note <laughs> this date down. <clears throat> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Evening this star the right? 19th. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you got the nail on the head as to why they're doing this, and I think that you're right. I like that. In my, in my perfect world, I I would I actually kind of enjoyed having to put that effort in, but I I can get how the grand majority of people don't. Yeah. Right, because no one likes to go back and, and actually do what everyone just outlined. But then again, uh, as you said, Dave, I'm all for that too. Yeah. Uh, actually, I wouldn't mind. I think it would be acceptable for a lot of people if the base damage for any weapon you used would be comparable to, you know, the ones you've mastered. So, I guess, like, the white numbers you see on screen. Mm -hmm. All right? But then, you know, all the special skills and abilities that come with the, that new weapon system you're trying out, you don't have them at all until you actually get to that point where you've raised that skill level up. So, you know, I'm all for base damage, you know, your basic attack damage, but if you want to do, like, the Super Whirlwind of Death, no, you're not getting that for a while. Super Whirlwind <laughs> of Death, you say? Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> now, speaking of skills... Like weapon skills Whoa. and their level, I would like to bring us into the next question. That's can a skill level be higher than my character level, or are they linked? Evarwin, could you get this one? Yes, a skill line can and likely will be higher. That simple. 
Yeah. No, it's, it's understandable. I mean, if you're putting in effort into your character, it's going to take a long time to get your character up. But to learn a weapon, you should be able to master a few weapons at least by the time you get all the way to the top. So it's understandable. Anyway, that was a short one. Next one. In order to morph an ability, do you just have to earn enough XP in the given ability, or are there other requirements? Lou! And sauce answers. Abilities will morph when you reach a certain level with them. Morphing does require you to spend a skill point, though, so there is a cost associated with it. So again, it's going to make you think, like, ooh, really have to sit and think, folks, what you want to do with your skill points. See, I, I didn't even know that morphing required one. I didn't get that high when we were when we were at Zoss. Uh, when we were at uh, Pax. Pax East. Pax. Yeah. We didn't get that high. We got what level seven? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But at least I, I remember. Um, it may have been. Uh, gosh, who was with us? I know Maria Alprano was with us. Uh, who else? Uh, I think. Maybe Brian Wheeler's in the room too, and I think they explained it to us for a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, how that worked. It's good to have a definitive yes on that to morph an ability, it has a cost. At least we know now. Oh yeah, so because we... you gotta know now that once once you, you put your point in there, you know, it's not it's not a free it's not a free uh, you know grab all when when you when your ability is about to morph. I mean, you, if you want to morph, you could keep it the same. You don't have to morph the ability. You're up for morphing. You're you are you are able to morph it. You do not have to morph it. So guess what, Bucko? You're spending the skill point whether you like it or not. And and I I think it's a nice gate to to stay someone's thought and say, hold on a second. Before you go grab the, you know, the the Lewis Alon Whirlwind of Death, um, make sure that you know the uh, the lesser the lesser grade uh, the um, blow in the face of death uh, is, is something you want to <laughs> move away from. <laughs> you know, like you got to make sure that that the you want to actually do this, and uh, I think putting a skill point there. Is definitely a great idea to make sure that you know I have to spend you know kind of like a real currency, if you will, in order to to move this along. Blow in the yeah. face of death. Yeah, blow in the face of death. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, I mean, to what Arn was saying, you know, because sometimes, uh, as we were saying before, you know, the flexibility, uh, people have the room, you know, freedom to experiment. Maybe the morphing ability doesn't fit your playstyle. You know, maybe that morphing, you know, that new, I guess. Added ability or added little oomph, you know, just won't fit how you think your character should play or what you want to do with your, I guess, your your, your play style. It's gonna so, it's gonna take an Elder Scrolls fan, a hardcore single player Elder Scrolls fan, to say, you know what? Even though my character could be more powerful with this morph, I don't necessarily feel like it fits with the role playing of my character. That's an Elder Scrolls fan right there, and I think you're you're onto something, Lou, when you bring that up. I think that was brilliant. All right, uh, now on that same subject with uh, abilities, how do you balance passive and active abilities? Is it a good and big set of passives required to be effective in PVE and PvP, 
or can I choose to rely on my hotbar only? Varwin, want to grab this one? Sure. Uh, we have many tools we use to balance internally, probably none as effective as testing. That being said, we do have soft caps to our numbers, which we call overcharging. If you have a stat which is too high based on various buffs, you will get diminishing returns for those buffs over the soft cap. God, I want to go in there and play with these numbers so hard. Yeah, Dave, you're you're kind of... <laughs> this I mean, is what I do. Yeah, you're far more knowledgeable and experienced about, you know, hard cap, soft cap, and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what in your experience, I mean, what, is this, what does this sound oh, like to you? Every game does this. They're, what they're trying to do hmm. is they're trying to make sure that they normalize incoming and outgoing damage across single player, across PvP, across large-scale PvE, all at the same time. Now, that's hell. You want to say anything, that is hell. But they have to do it right, or the game will fall on its face. Some classes will be amazing, while some will suck. It's going to end up being the uh, Diablo 3 monk all over again. Ooh. Oh, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, you got to do it right, or else an obvious problem is in your face. It, you, it may not be that big of a tweak, but the minor differences really make an MMO, because that's what it's all about. In-game MMOs are all about stacking the mi minuscule numbers. I loved playing an Archon in Rift, and that's all it was. I would have, like, 40 different buffs, but each buff would only give, you know, half a point, 5% bonus, 2%, but when you stack them all up, when you put them all on top of each other, it piles on, gets bigger and bigger, to the point where you can take on the world if you can figure out the smallest numbers. To make sure that things don't get out of hand and snowball too much, I mean, they want you to be able to make it snowball, because that's how you're going to power up your character. They're right. expecting that. Yeah, of course. But to make sure it doesn't go too much, what they do is they add in what's called diminishing returns, which means you get the full point for the first point. The second point, you get 90%. The third point, you get 90% of what the second point got. And it gets smaller and smaller, so you have to put in... If you do want to be ridiculous, there comes a point where just adding in more to your character isn't going to cut it. And that's the point, is that they don't want someone to just figure out the perfect combo and be ten times better than the next person down the line. That ain't going to cut it for a game that they want you to have freedom of choice. So they're adding in uh, diminishing returns, they're adding in balances, they're adding in what they call overcharging if you do become over a certain power level. Now, the good thing is, if you get to that point that you're overcharged, I'm pretty sure that you're going to be ridiculous, and <laughs> you pretty much just win anyway. So, <laughs> Hey, guess what? I win button. Pushed it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which, I, I'm more than happy to get there. I, I'm more than happy to say I'm overcharged. <laughs> All right. Uh, gentlemen, as a whole, do we have any closing uh, thoughts on, on these? Now, Now, obviously, this is, you know, uh, the abridged version, if you will, of... <laughs> of the Ask Us Anything article. Uh, the article is very, very long. And we, we had noticed when we were going through there that a lot of the questions had been asked already. So we just we just said, you know what, let's, let's go through this thing. Let's find the most relevant, the newest pieces of information that, that we think um, we haven't either A, heard in an extremely long time or haven't heard at all, 
And let's just throw it in here and uh, and go with that because you know going through this from and it can be from week to week at times the same the same questions and answers you know it's good for for Zenimax to readdress this stuff if their audience isn't catching it but you know it's not necessarily good for us to to keep reiterating certain certain uh, well, certain things. I would personally I was reading down the list they took many of the questions verbatim from the Conch interview as well as what we've done on previous weeks. I mean, it may not be that they took our question, but they might as well have. Yeah. Well, that's a nice that's a nice thought. Uh, Dave, I mean, overall, do you have anything here that you want to you want to sort of end the uh, the discussion with? Um, God, you know, my min maxer inside me wants to never morph an ability now that I know it has a cost. <laughs> Maxer inside of me, <laughs> and it won't go away. Like the that morph has to be substantially better to to earn a skill point. Yeah. Well, I, think I don't they... care if there are enough to put two skill points in every slot. I will hold on to them if if I can. Okay, they they announced there isn't going to be enough, but. Well, I mean, let's. Let, they've been very vocal about one particular skill point, and that was. Uh... That was one of the Templar's healing abilities. You know, it, it, this one ability it it heals a oh, nearby yeah, friendly target. Oh yeah, talking about the morph of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's stupid. Keep it the way it is. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean stupid? I don't. The, stupid. Don't morph it. Why? All skills. All skills in the game, Dave, have the ability to morph. Why would you? Why not that one? Because it. Shut up. Shut up, man! <laughs> so my, I don't know, I, that's just how I am. I'd, I'd have to measure the benefits versus the cost to see if it's even worth putting points into, and that's just how I play. Right. Well, that's that's actually my question. My question is: is in that in that instance where you mm-hmm. have this skill that heals a nearby enemy, and right. then you morph it, and you have one of two choices: you can either turn it into something that will heal not just one nearby enemy, but three nearby. I keep I saying can't. enemy. It's not enemy. Uh, it's it's a, a player. And a near near so, allies. Let me start over, Dave. Before you jump all over my case, because I've been saying enemy this whole time, and I'm confusing the hell out of everybody, including myself. It's been a long day. It's been a really long day, guys. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so okay, I'm not even remembering the damn skill's name. That goes to show you how much I know. But what you can do is you can take this skill and you can morph it from healing a nearby player to healing three nearby players. Or you can morph it from healing a nearby player to um, after you're done healing them, you start to gain um, a certain percentage of your mana back. Now, do you think those two choices are worth your skill point? Have you ever seen Kill Bill? Which Mm -hmm. one? Yeah, I did. I saw Kill Bill. You saw Kill Bill? You know that sword with how he describes that sword? He says you don't compare this sword against other swords made by this manufacturer. You compare this sword to every sword ever. Oh, you mean the Hattori Hanzo sword? Thank you. When I compare a (laughs) skill that I'm paying a skill point for, I'm not going to compare it, hey, which way should I morph this ability? I'm going to compare that skill point for every possibility down every line for the greatest benefit for me. Okay. So I don't give a damn what it's what it morphs into. If it doesn't outdo everything else that could possibly have a skill point, then it won't be getting that skill point. 
I don't really know what you're referring to. I mean, it's, it's a healing skill. It, it heals. That's what it does. I mean, how could you compare it to every single skill? It's not the only healing skill. I, no, it's not the only healing skill, but it's... So could there be better places for me to stick my skill points? Yeah. I'm just saying that I'm not, but you're, you're, you're not, hold on. You're not, you're not actually answering the question. You're, you're finding mm -hmm. your own little, you know, unique Dave way around the question. Because there isn't an A or B. There's it is an A or B. It's an A or B question. Do you A, put your skill point into, into morphing that for the choices that you have? Or B, do you not put the skill point in there see, given the I choices you have? I would not be able to answer that until I measure it against every possibility. You've got two possibilities. Start measuring. <laughs> there, but there's more than two places. If I level up. Okay, now I, know, I know what you're saying. possibilities do I have of picking from my skill point for that level? Yeah, but you're making this so much more difficult than it really needs Damn to be. Damn straight. You're, there, but there, needlessly, <laughs> you're making it difficult. It doesn't matter right now what your what your spec is that have all these different possibilities from all of these different skill lines i'm not asking you would you put it into morphing those skills or if you would put it into your two-handed weapon tree or your you know one-handed and shield weapon tree or if you'd put it into you know one of your racial trees i'm asking you based on those skill choices that your skill could morph into do you think that it's worth putting the point into. And the reason why I'm asking that question is because I'm sort of wondering if you feel that just based on that information alone, you, you want is me to it give worth you an answer? I'm, I'm wondering in your mind, did, my did Zenimax mind, build that skill and its morph choices correctly where you would want to put a skill point into it? Or if they didn't, that you would, you would go somewhere else. In my mind, any skill that morphs, has to have at least received what two skill points in its lifetime. Right. One to be, to purchase the initial one, and one to purchase yes. the morph. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me, for me to find that viable, it would necessarily need to be twice as good as something I could stick just one point into. So right. I, I'm not looking at the numbers. I, we, I haven't seen the numbers to tell you exactly if it is that good, but it would need to be. <laughs> You're just intent on not answering this question. I, that, I mean, that's not, that's not the question. The question is, okay, is, what the, the question is, 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 are those choices, are they, are they interesting enough for you to want to spend a point into? Not, do you have... You know, other oh, choices like there that are if, that are. If I find it neat or more interesting enough. Yes, to is it interesting do? enough for you to want to spend your point on those choices, or is it is it uninteresting and you feel like seeing what else is more attractive out there? That's that's sort of the the question I'm I'm asking you. Oh, of course it could be interesting. <laughs> yes. <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Dave. All right, Lou. <laughs> what what do you think, Lou? I mean, what on on some of this information that we've we've gone over um with the with the progression. What what do you think? Any closing uh ideas? Yeah, yeah, I, I got a couple. Um definitely want to keep people aware uh for obviously leveling up the armor and weapon skill lines. You know, take heart into that, you know, read up on that. 
because you're definitely. Uh, I, I know a lot of players may not be used to the system of you know. If I use one sword, you know, I can use them all. No, it's got to be you've got to use that particular sword. You know, that long sword may not, you know, it doesn't isn't a broad sword. You know, uh, just because you use one range weapon doesn't give you the ability to use all range weapons. You know, it's specific. So people have to keep on top of that. And then going back to the other point here with the passive and active abilities um, that Dave was talking about before. You know. <clears throat> Uh, for those players who are min-maxers, like Dave... Uh, That's know, another thing. I'll pour points into passives. Right. I exactly. Uh, I, I would... You know, for, uh, for a lot of new players, uh, especially maybe the, the Elder Scrolls crowd who aren't used to playing MMOs, I would definitely you know, recommend to them to read up on, on those abilities. You know, what exactly do those do? Because, you know, those do make a difference and how well you will enjoy playing the game. It, well, how, how well you enjoy playing your character. You know, you may feel like you're not too strong or you're just too weak or you're just overpowered in some areas, but it's a good idea to do the research and say, you know what, if I go on down this line, this is what I can get. You know, will doing these passes outweigh what I want to do in the end? You know, so keep that in mind. Uh, research on that. And the morphing abilities, you know, I'm with Dave. You know, I'm always going to want to look at what exactly we skills more. Don't into. say that. Environment will make you say yeah. things. No, I'm just going to say. <laughs> obviously, when you, as we saw in the character progression, when the skill opens up and he doesn't you understand. Morph, you know, I, I, I'm definitely one of those people who have to say, all right, if I morph it, all right, I'm giving up this ability that its base ability that I am used to playing that I have already incorporated into my play style, and now. Changing it into this, you know, am I, for example, the heal? Am I going to change this single target heal into a generic AOE heal that can now heal three allies, you know? But because it can heal and it's an AOE, you know, it's going to heal for less. Not as it won't be as strong as a single target heal. God, that would make me stop using that. Yeah, I mean, something like that. If I was a healer, say, Earl, is that AOE heal worth it? I mean. Because single target heal, I can heal for, I, I'm throwing numbers out here, for 800 to 1,000, as opposed to I can do a great AOE heal with people that are at least 10 meters around me, but I can only heal them from 300 to 500. It's like, ooh. Yeah, that's... That would be something, you know, I, do I really want to do that? Because I, I, then that's a waste of, of mana. <laughs> Just like you know? Lou, I would have to see the numbers before I give a definitive answer. You know what, who's not, who's willing to, to ask questions and not give a damn answer himself? Varwin. Yes. What would you do? What what would I do concerning what specifically? Exactly your question earlier. Okay. Uh, honestly, normally, um, I would prefer the uh, heal more people versus heal once and get get some of my mana back. Um, because I, you I'm would not... spend a point that you could spend elsewhere to change a skill that you're actively using. Yes. Without knowing if there's any benefit to that? Yeah, well, look, the benefit would be, do you do you heal more people with that skill, or do you heal and, and get a little mana back? And I, of those two, I would prefer to heal more people, because I'm, I'm usually an off-healer, if I ever heal at all, 
and uh, I don't necessarily need a tremendous amount of mana. I just need to kind of be there to sort of keep people topped off um, and, and lend a hand to the healer. So that's that's what I would do. On on the question of, um, you know, am I considering all of my other options? You know, is there anything else more attractive? Then yes, of course. So So what I would do is I would check to see if there was anything else more attractive for my my specific build on that specific character and then i would see if there there's anything there um if there if there was then obviously i would go with that if there wasn't at the time you know i would choose from one of those two that's uh that's what i would do um all right guys anything else no all right dave you got anything um, chat room is talking about how there's more than enough skill points to go around. Um, they, they mentioned that there will not be enough skill points for everything. There will be a large number, but there will not be enough skill points for everything, especially if you don't take the time to go find shard, the, the sky shards and stuff like that. You, in all likelihood, you will not have all of the the different skill points available in the game. While there may be the, a lot out there, you will not have all of them. Uh, Kyle, it was in the latest Ask Us Anything. Right, and also keep in mind, too, that if you're if you're thinking about crafting, you're gonna to have to give up skill points for that as well. So yeah, if you want to be that dual wielding or bow wielding BA, but you also want to craft your own weapons, all right. Now let's talk skill point allocation. Like, where do you find the balance? Like, what are you going to do? Um, Orange Man Josh asks, do you plan to max out every skill, even crafting? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Every skill. Every Ever. skill. All right, guys, let's let's move on. We've got uh, MMORPG.com analyzes the launch announcement. And, Lou, if you don't mind, please just uh, start uh, presenting this for us. Sure thing. Yesterday on Midouts, evening start of the 18th, MMORPG.com released an article on a site which was titled Elder Scrolls Online Column. Launch day comes, where the author mulls over the implications of their announcement, much like Elder Scrolls Off the Record did in last week's episode. And here are some of the things we learned from their piece. That they agree their biggest marketing blitz will come just after the new year. They are hoping for more information on guilds and the guild system, to which they say, almost every modern MMO now has to support a vast guild system. Hopefully, we get much more news on that soon. End quote. They believe the next major events to be seen will be beta tests, since they feel all it needs now is polish and fixes. Uh, Twitch is also noted, which also affirms what we said last week about the game being built and any major ideas of the game would come in future updates. They also believe that beta testing for PvP will be important due to the nature of Siege Warfare and previous MMOs, like the Arcades of Camelot. They stated that siege techniques are great, 
but if players don't have any other objectives in PvP, it will ultimately promote long-term health for the game. Finally, despite all the information on progression and specking, MMORPG.com feels that they have a, quote, easy to use, difficult to master, end quote, system, and that more information shared on it, the better. They believe that players will have to carefully consider how they create their builds, which is a good thing when you mix that with a complex crafting system and PvP abilities. It creates a very complex character template. However, they feel that it also may lead to a system where some weapons will be more desirable than others. A lot of these things, what, what I thought was actually interesting about this was that um, we actually brought these up on our, on our own accord uh, last week when we, when we sort of covered the announcement. And um, one of the things that I believe that we did bring up was, uh, A, that we believe that their biggest marketing blitz is going to come as soon as the new year hits. That, you know, we haven't necessarily heard the bulk of the information about this game just yet. Isn't that kind of odd? That they haven't entered their big marketing blitz, yet they've already announced a release date? Yeah, you think they want to get a, I guess, a big jump in that as possible? No. You know? It's odd. Build a hype train. <laughs> Unless they don't want to build a hype train so big that, you know, people's expectations become so high that, you know, it just can't be met. Yeah, I mean, what what it could be is is that they're, they, they know they're sitting on some, some really excellent information. And, um, when it when the game comes close to launch, they want to just sort of get that out and build up, you know, have hype hit its peak, and then launch, and then it go even further from there and ensure higher sales than if they were to start saying all of that awesome information, um, you know, a couple of months ago, and then you know have hype go up and then down again, and then go back up um, from launch. You know, I think they want to try and grab their their player base um, at the peak of excitement. And if they can try and control how that excitement peaks, then I could understand why they're doing it this way. Um, but I don't necessarily know exactly what information um, they're willing to give us so close to, to launch. It sort of seems like every time you, you talk to them, that they've they've given out all the information that they're they're willing to give out before the game actually launches, and they've said a lot that you know we want you to explore and we want you to find this stuff on your own because it's going to make it more fun versus us actually just saying it. Um, we actually got a really good thing, Varwin, that goes hand in hand with you. That's in the chat room uh-huh. from Still Offside says I think they should end the drop of silence from the beta testers. They need to create fan buzz from fans, not from devs. Yeah, that's... And you yeah. know what? They're, they're going to. They're actually going to do that because we know open that beta. they have said that they're going to have an open beta. So mm-hmm. um, it just sort of depends on how they... how they it, it, it sort of depends on how they execute that open beta information and how long it's going to be uh, for them to do that. Lou, right. what about you? You got, you got something, right? Yeah, I was going to say, you know... Yes, we, they gave us the announcement date, uh, but we also have to temper that with they have to keep in mind the competition. All right, mm-hmm. we also know that there are other uh, MMOs releasing next year around the same time frame or shortly thereafter. ESO comes out, 
and I think it's smart for them to actually you know, maybe piecemeal out the information that everyone that they know everyone wants to hear but again they've got to build and control that uh, that hype train so that there is a constant level of interest in this game you know what good is it to them if they release all the information out now three months from now the game release three or four months on the game releases but in that interim you know two of the games have released you know their competitors have released their, their games okay or their competitors released an open beta for their games hmm. and now they pretty much shot you know, they've shot all the rounds, all right, because they have nothing new to give. All right, meanwhile, you have these other games that are, are, are giving these uh, the player base, you know, I guess new and exciting things to look at, which will detract from what they, you know, what they're trying to do. As, so. as Rockus in the chat room um, has, has something very nice here as well. It says, only reason I don't think uh, that they're going to have a... a uh, a very early open beta is because the negative is always louder than the positive. Most people experience a beta when they're forcibly made the server crash to experience massive login server stress. That's the exact same thing that happened to Diablo. Okay. How, Uh, what was that like? Blizzard had their closed beta for Diablo, the invite only. And what they were doing is they were telling people, hey, get online and we're going to try to mess it up. And people did. And people, like, freaked out about it. Like, oh my god, this game is going to suck because it's, oh my god. So immediately Diablo 3 walked out the gate with a negative spin <laughs> because they were trying to test it and break it to make sure that the systems held. Which, of course... We all saw that they didn't because, well, <laughs> Activision. But um, it, people were already expecting it and throwing a fit about it. Yeah, that's that's very true. You know, there's there's something to be said about um, the the immediateness of of untempered and 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 uh, un, yeah, untempered and immediate sharing of ideas that haven't been gated by the person putting them on the, on the internet. You know, you, you have a bad experience, you get really angry, you put that opinion on the internet. And a lot of times, especially when it comes to gamers, you know, who, who are, who are a lot of gamers? Um, people who Smart, are, are still handsome men. So, um, well, yes, there's you, Dave. Uh, look at that guy right there. He's, oh man. Chewing on that ice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, gamers are very young mostly. And, and I would argue that there's still, you know, some, you know, some maturing that needs to be done on, on a lot of, a lot of gamers parts. So what, what do they do is they've, they have this, this, uh, flare up of, of either not understanding or, or, um, getting angry at a situation. And then they put it all over the internet without, you know, really having the maturity to say, well, hold on, you know, is this actually what I'm experiencing? Or maybe I'm just seeing something incorrectly. And then they, it, it catches like wildfire. Um, and it gets shared. And all of a sudden now you have this thing where, you know, Diablo three comes out with, with, uh, server stress tests. And a lot of people, um, the the extremely angry and immature vocal minority comes out and, and they, they sort of uh, tip marketing um, in the wrong direction. Meanwhile, all they were trying to do was just test and stress the servers. And uh, it, it, was, it was kind of said incorrectly. 
that's a huge that's a huge issue. Go ahead, Dave. The thing is, is, is I know Ivarwin, me, all of us have a special place in our heart for this game. Oh yeah, this game could they could have a closed beta uh, up twenty four hours a day. We'd be playing twenty four hours a day just because we enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it, that's not what the beta is about. And everybody does it. It's people throw a fit. Oh my God, I want to get in the beta. How do you get into the beta test? Well. The beta is chosen not because of who you are, not because you know how good of grades you got in high school. It's about <laughs> testing the game based on their requirements <laughs> necessary to, to, to either mess it up or make sure it runs right. And has nothing to do with how much you like the game personally. Mm. Right. Sorry. Well, all of that is, is very obvious stuff, but I think sometimes when you're experiencing yes, the frustration of of server testing there's a disconnect though exactly what i just said is what the developers want to think but the problem is is they invite the gamers the me the lou the avarwin the the other millions of people how many people do they have the three hundred thousand random people who signed up or something like that well the there normal was gamer there was some, eyes yeah there was three million that signed up they, and three hundred thousand that were playing the last beta test in 48 right. hours 300,000 people. Do you think that they signed up because of, out of the kindness of their heart wanting to test the system? Hell no. no. They signed up because they wanted to play the damn they game. They want to play the game. That's what they want to do. And, exactly. And so because they're excited. Yeah. You have you have the developers wanting to test the crap, make sure they can break it so they know how to fix it. And at the same time, you have the gamers who, if anything breaks, they throw a fit. Right. So and There's that disconnect there. There's the disconnect. There, so the there thing is, is, is until the game comes out, until they say, here's the final version, the best we can do is take it with a grain of salt. Right. Unless you're Diablo 3's release, in which was it was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anything else? Anything else, gentlemen? I mean, you know, uh, point by point here. Uh, another thing that they said was they they believe the next major events to be seen will be the beta tests, since they feel uh, all it needs now is polish. Which also affirms, you know, why what we had said last week about about uh, the game being built and any major ideas to the game would would probably come in future updates. I mean, game's built, guys. That's that's basically. Um, that's basically our sentiment here, and I believe that MMORPG.com is kind of saying the same thing. Game's built. Um, now all they need to do is just is just sort of finish up their testing, add in that polish, and uh, and away we go. ESO's a brick house. house. <laughs> so mighty, mighty, just letting all hang out. <laughs> That's where my mind goes. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, yes or no, starting with Dave, uh, do, do you, do you think yes or no, Dave to, again, <laughs> yes or no. Um, do you think that MMORPG.com is, is pretty much on par with, with what they're, they're saying here? Do you think they're right? Do you think they're wrong? Well, let me explain in detail. First off. <laughs> no, no think, Dave, think you're ignoring it. <laughs> I, I, I think they're right. I think that the game, for the most part, is done. It, it's all about 
looking for bottlenecks, looking for tiny issues, and and patching them where they find them to make sure that the game comes out as complete and perfect as possible. That's it. That's all you got. I don't, I don't get any of the awesome, you know, interesting stuff that David D. and Force Adams brings to a show. It's... Your face is ugly. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dave. That's not a consideration, Dave. <laughs> uh, Lou, what do you what do you think, Lou? Do you think MMORPG.com is is right on this? Yeah, I, I think they're on the right track. Um, you know, from what we've seen from the video they've released so far, uh, from what Zoss has released, yeah, I, I'm inclined to believe that. Yeah, the game is pretty mm-hmm. much rock solid. It's built. All right, and all they're asking for us now is, you know, the Hell. beta pools beta pools come in and just make sure, you know, things are still working. Yeah. Come on, guys. Like, if they release the game that we played at PAX East... Would you buy that game? Oh man, I'm 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 not a uh, you know I yeah for me the the answer is going to be yes. But then again, if you were to, <laughs> I'd have bought that. I, I mean, if <laughs> I don't think most people would though. I you know I mean, uh, but that's that's me. That's you. That's us. I mean, we're we're Elder Scrolls fans, man. You. You service arena on a silver platter. They did service arena on a silver platter. Oh my god! It's it's. Hold on a second. I have. Oh lord. This. I bought this. I bought this. This is arena and daggerfall on a silver platter. I bought it. Yes, of course I'd buy the thing that they threw at us on uh, Pax East. <laughs> um, but I don't know if necessarily we we represent all of um all of our listeners. What do you what do you think? I mean, Dave, you said that you would. What about you, Lou? Would you would you buy the uh, the build that they had at, at Pax East? Yeah, I I would give it a shot. You know, because God knows, see, you know, seeing the footage, seeing getting to play at Pax East, I played games a lot worse than that <laughs> that I paid for. So I have no problems doing that with ESO. Hmm. All right, um, and that brings us to our, our third discussion point for the evening, which is the live Q&A with Brian Wheeler with Elitist Jerks. Uh, yesterday, mid-not, mid-dos, evening star the 18th, 10 Ton Hammer posted a live Q&A with lead PvP designer Brian Wheeler by the Elitist Jerks. The event lasted from 4 p.m. Eastern to 6 p.m. Eastern time on their site, and the massive forum topic can be found on both Ten Ton Hammer and Elitist Jerks. Now, we're not going to be able to read each question and answer for you exactly today, but we did comb through each uh, question and answer and extracted the uh, most important pieces of information and direct answers, which we'll present to you today. Which was not easy. (laughs) (laughs) This was a pain. (laughs) Um, so what I'm going to do is basically just kind of present this stuff to you because uh, it came from Brian Wheeler. I'm going to present it to you as fact and just sort of go down this this uh, long, long list here of, of facts from Brian Wheeler about Elder Scrolls Online and PvP because it, it, it is all PvP centered. Um, and as it should be because, you know, Brian Wheeler is the lead PvP designer. So uh, number one, all right, collision That's detection. Awesome. Very pretty man. He's not a bad looking dude. <laughs> And he's he's not a half bad um, scalp masseuse, which I'm uh, appalled to say that I can I can definitely say he's good at. 
Sorry. It's okay, Dave. It's okay, Luke. <clears throat> Varwin has awkward relationships. <laughs> uh, collision detection. Now, now, you know what, Lou? Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about what collision detection is, real quick? You can't go through objects. If it's a rock, you can't go through a rock. If, you if there's a door in front of you, you can't go through a door. Very good, very good. Now, this the idea of this being on players inside of a PvP uh, game can be can be cool, um, but depending on the situation, can also be extremely frustrating. Uh, Zenimax Online Studios sort of errs on the idea that it's extremely frustrating, and Brian Wheeler had said that collision detection between players in PvP is not the game to help. Uh, is is not ex not going to be in the game because it's it's uh it takes down server and client performance, and it also became frustrating when players were playing on a massive scale in PvP battles. They kept you know knocking into each other, and it became extremely frustrating. Um, what's that, Lou? Well, um, I I I can definitely understand. I mean, I'm not a technical person. Um, so I definitely get the point where they're saying that, yeah, not having collision detection in the game will definitely help relieve the stress uh, between the server and client. Uh, so I hope Dave can back me up on that. Oh, emphatically, um, yeah. However, you know, we, playing PvP in other games, especially with Dark Edge Camelot and so on, you know, it, it brings a whole level of, uh, a different level of playing into the field. Okay? Where you don't have to, you know, in order to break, I guess, you, I mean, you still use line of sight, obviously, to, on other players, but you also see that that little common tactic of running through your opponent. Yeah. You know, literally running right through him to break his line, his or her line of sight, and therefore ending or negating that skill he used on you. All right. Um, and also other tactics like uh, we know that Cyrodiil is going to have choke points. Okay. And, and speaking of my own DAOC experience. You know, choke points for us, you know, my, my realm is using choke points. You know what we hold in the choke points? The tanks. Because you can't, there's no, you can't go, you can't run through the characters. So guess what? Three or four tanks can hold that area while the range is hiding in the back, safe, and just raining death on everyone on the other side of the tanks. And unfortunately, you know, some players will cry and whine about that because for some reason they can't figure out a way to get through it. <laughs> You know, they, they won't take the time to learn how to defeat that kind of tactic. So, in essence, you know, this kind of explains why you don't have collision detection in this game now. Well, I, I sort of take this and hear that, you know, um, I sort of have this idea in my head of just a huge army of 40 people running up a hill and a huge army of 40 people going up the other side of the hill and they're about to meet in the middle and everyone's like, you know, bumping each other shoulder to shoulder and no one's actually getting up that hill because they keep walking into each other um, no, because of all the collision detection between player to player. Th that's not what they mean. Okay. Well, that... um, what's a good way for me to put this? Mr. President, watch out! He's going to shoot you! <laughs> okay, that's what they meant. That's collision detection. So somebody's shooting some, some at somebody else. Somebody gets in the way of the shot, <clears throat> hits them instead. That's what they're, the point they're trying to make with the collision detection. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but there should still also be 
um, loss of line of sight by moving a character either behind a character or behind an object to break line of sight, correct? Right. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think what they did was, yes, uh, you can use another player or, another, or an object to break line of sight. However, uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember what he said, what Brian Wheeler said before. If an, if an attack will an attack will land if you were in that spot, okay. So subsequent attacks won't hit, but there's definitely gonna be one attack that's going to hit you because at that time, when the server received information from you, yeah, you that person your target was in line of sight and you will hit that target. But every other attack after that, once the line of sight is broken, will fail. Yeah, you will get hit at yeah. least once or he, whatever. If the attack lands and you were in that spot to get hit, you're going to get hit until you actually get behind that rock or right. other so, object. So basically, when you cast when you cast the spell, you know uh, you're standing in that op, in that area, and the the spell recognizes that you're standing there. One of those one of those spells is going to hit you. But as you're moving behind like a, a piece of you know like a tree or something in order to line of sight this guy, right. you know the others are not going to right. right. Those, the other attacks won't land or won't succeed on you. So right. All right, so make, that's what they used to make it fair. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So, so moving on. All right. Another thing that we got here is uh, you are unable to communicate with members of the other factions. Uh, and to note now, this is outside of your guild. So you are able to talk to people who guilds are guilds will allow you to invite people from other factions. However, um, that that aside, normally. You're not going to be able to talk to people from other factions uh, if they're outside your guild. But honestly, who wants to talk to the Admiral Dominion anyway? <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, this I thought was interesting. It is possible for a small group of two to four players to best a larger team of eight to 12, but it depends on many different factors. That I thought was was very interesting because you know they are trying to tell you that with PvP in this game, um, it's really more about tactics than and, and being having a well thought out plan really than just completely overwhelming the enemy. Uh, they also said that you can find a book in Cyrodiil that explains why the player will not see the jungles that once existed in the area. So for you lore nuts out there. <laughs> Lou, what do you think about about that? The uh I mean you you're aware that there were there were jungles right. in Cyrodiil at one point, right? Right. Well, let's let's put it this way. I mean, when ESO ha happens, okay? It's obviously way before the trademark test game. So it's definitely it's before Arena, it's before right. Dagger, it's before all the games that we're used to. Yeah. All right, so a lot of places have realized that you know, we're going further back into time, all right? So, I mean, when you look at the, I guess, Scott, the, uh, the Alliances trailer, okay? See how beautiful that whole area was? No. You know, it was well-maintained, well-kept, all right? All those outer fortresses, those walls, those keeps were perfectly maintained. So it kind of makes you think that, you know, back then, you know, Cyrodiil had the power, had the, had the power, the manpower, and they pretty much domesticated or they controlled the land. They, they made it, they tailored it to their, their purposes. But, they you were know, yes, but as the centuries wore on, you know, as we get close to the timeline that approaches Elder Scrolls 1, Arena, 
you know, what happens if you don't plant anything, you know, on a patch, you know, backyard? You know, your grass grows, right? Mm-hmm. It grows as freaking four, five, six feet tall. <laughs> right, so let's take that account. Now, you know, <laughs> as we're in the actual first game of the arena, now you have all that, all that wild growth occurring because guess what? You know, Cyrodiil has fallen or over the centuries has declined, so to speak, or waned, so it can't do that anymore. Right. Uh, let's let's jump back to the to the previous comment because I think some people in the chat room are are sort of discussing this. Um, it is possible for a small group of two to four players to best a larger team of eight to twelve, but it depends on many factors. I, I have to tell you, I love this. You know, I obviously that is exactly what I just said. Isn't that great, Dave? I, that you know what that tells me. Go ahead. Balance. The the game is going to be so balanced that the tipping point is skill. That is beautiful. That's what that's what we want. Yeah, that's where it needs to be. If um, now I'm not a big PvP fan, obviously, but when I when I do hear about PvP in this game, I get really excited to play it. And just knowing that as long as you as long as you know what you know know what your spec is and you're, you're aware of your environment. Um, you can overcome a large group who may not necessarily be aware of all of those things. So a, a large, skilled group of players. Now, now, obviously, the, and they were saying in the chat room, obviously, a thousand, an army of a thousand people could kill a, a, a small group of ten. Clearly. Uh, well, I could argue that I'm from Florida. Like ten look, of my friends uh, I could mean, invade Alabama. You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> look, I mean. Most of the time, all right, you know, I mean, um, you're not, I mean, it would take a freaking miracle and a half in <laughs> order to get, I'm being an ass, dude, don't uh, listen like to a me. thousand, no, I'm just off my game today, dude, and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm probably, uh, I'm just not, I'm not where I should be right now, but the, the fact of the matter is that, you know, a thousand people are definitely going to, 99.9% of the time are going to, you know, swarm a, a group of 10, and, and that's basically that, but, you know, the fact is, is that, if you do have a small group of of people who are, I've already said it. Moving on. <laughs> I need to explain myself anymore because I'm I, I'm confusing myself. All right. Um. There are scoring and balance benefits in place for underdog alliances who have less manpower on the battlefield than their rivals. And I quote: Brian Wheeler said this. Simply put, if one alliance has more campaign points than the other two alliances combined, the lower scoring alliances get bonuses What to their score against the higher scoring alliance. That's stupid. <laughs> okay, why, Dave? <laughs> so... I'll read it again. Simply put, if one alliance has more campaign points... Then the other two alliances combined, the lower scoring alliances get bonuses to their score against the oh, higher okay. scoring alliance. So it's again, it's if the one is more than the two combined. That's what I didn't get. I was thinking like, hey, your two, your team lost, but welcome to PvP on welfare. You totally get to win. There is there is a feeling of that. There there definitely is a feeling of that. I mean, you know, just because. You know, one team is doing better than you. 
What if you, the the Why? two teams just are re- genuinely garbage? Yeah. The good team that put effort, skill, and and strategy into their game deserve not to get well, bonus points. I think I think by the at the end of the day, what they're trying to do is to make it fun for everyone involved. Which I mean, if you're if you're absolutely getting obliterated, um. This and... is the one aspect of the game where you literally measure one player against each other. You can't w- hand out a you win trophy across the board. Right. Well, I don't necessarily think they're doing that. But they what they are definitely saying is if you take your alliance points and you add it up to the other the other team's alliance points and it doesn't add up to the third alliance points who are doing far more better than you we're going to give you we're going to kick you guys a little bonus to to keep it competitive i mean there there are people that are going to have reservations to that um it shouldn't they instead of doing that shouldn't they pull i mean obviously if that's what's happening the problem isn't with the players the problem is that the the campaign matched up the wrong people together right Uh, you could ah you don't necessarily i mean that's that's not necessarily true i mean it could be it could be that they they got uh you know a, a, an advantage very quickly for some reason um it could be it could be a lot of different things you know i, I mean personally i'm not going to complain about that sort of thing it doesn't bother me uh, i don't it depends on how big the the advantage is of course <clears throat> Um, what do you think, Lou? Uh, I, yeah, I'm a mixed, I'm a mixed feelings about this. I mean, I think you have quite to honestly, be. Yeah. yeah <laughs> if, if one, if one alliance is obviously doing much better than the other two combined, then I guess, you know, by all means, then they deserve to win. Because guess what? As you've seen before, that alliance is, they're putting in the time, the effort, all right, they have players who are dedicated to the PvP campaign in Cyrodiil, okay? But the other two, for some re- for whatever reason, they're just not up to par. Yeah. Hold on a second, Lou. I mean, Savetti in the chat room is, is kind of saying something that I think I was trying to get out, which is, um, I don't, and I, I really agree with, with Savetti on this as well, I don't think the bonus will be enough to be an everyone wins a trophy. It will just be a slight nudge. Um, probably just to kind of keep the game fun and to give them at least a, a chance. Go ahead, Lou. I'm sorry. Uh, see, but then what you just said there, that does lead to everyone's a trophy because if you're giving a bonus enough to where it gives them a chance, then why weren't they doing better before? Yeah, and and that's you know, why... It, 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 it all Go depends ahead. upon... As saying, if those other two alliances are really that bad... Then you know what? Make it easier. Make it to where there's a salt, there's a cap. So you know what? If the, this alliance has reached X amount of campaign points, then these two combined, the campaign's over. Hmm. You know, don't go yeah. to twenty five thousand. No, it should be something like that. Yeah, something to allow it to uh, match those two lower groups with a, with a third one that isn't worlds above it. That would be on the same level. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, like I said, it's got to be. There's got to be a point then to stop that because then, if it's not going to be enough, if that slight boost isn't going to be enough to help them, you know, to win, then why get that boost at all? Karasioki in the chat room is saying, if the good team is good, it usually won't matter. Right, it won't matter, but if it does lead to the fact that 
now they've now that they've got this boost, now they have a chance to actually you know come from behind and win. You know, with a hail mary type pass play, no. I would be pissed. You know, if it, if I put effort on a on the winning team, and let's say the last two days, one of these lower teams that had previously received a boost is able to step up their game just enough to pass me, even though I didn't receive the boost and I put all this effort in, I would be livid. I'd probably stop right. playing this game. You know, I, I prefer, you know what, if this kind of situation to where if both align, if two alliances are really that bad, where both of the points combined aren't doing it to take, you know, to best that first alliance, you know what, let's start talking interfaction alliances, meaning, all right, you know what, these guys kicking our butts. So, you know, faction-wide, right, let's say, for example, the American Dominion is actually winning. Okay? They're winning by such a huge margin that the MNR Pact and Dynavall Covenant, they don't stand a chance in that campaign. You know? I love this. Yeah. Let, let's allow, you know, both the DC and EP to say, hey, 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 across the server, guys, we need to win this campaign. Right now, it's a truce between our two factions because we want to beat the AD in this campaign. You know, that's a good idea. Do you think? Do you do you necessarily think that that having a a scoring? I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know. Evarwin, what do you think uh, of that? What, 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 what do I? What I, I don't. I, I really don't think it's going to be a problem. To be honest, I think I think whatever they've got going on is going to be a tiny little boost, and I think you're going to have to you know, go across the lines there and you're going to have to join the other team to uh, not join the other team, but you're basically going to have to, you know, forge that alliance that, that Lou is talking about in order to, to overcome, you know, just a massive oppressive aggressor um, that that third faction represents. I don't necessarily think this is going to be a, a huge, a huge problem at all. And if it is, then they'll find out about it and they'll, they'll correct it. Right. What do you think about the idea of if, the third team is so big that it's bigger than the first and second combined that automatically a truce puts the first and second in neutral uh, standing with each other until they get to the point that they surpass the point of being lesser than or equal to the third. I think it happens all the time. That's what I but think. Forcing it. Yeah, I, I think I think it happens all the time. I think it, it, it. I hear a lot of that information coming from DAOs, DAOC. I, I hear beta testers getting back to us saying that um, they've seen that in in PvP um, in this game. I've had a lot of beta testers come to me, write us emails, breaking NDA, saying saying exactly that or mentioning that before. You know, I mean, um, that's why I don't really necessarily think this is going to be much of an issue. Um, Alliance War Ranks will be seen on player target frames. So, you know, you get a little rank there as you as you play the game. This will be seen on your on your, your frame. Oh my god. Uh, but the player will not look different in any way, nor will there be an extended title attached to the player's nameplate. Aww. I was hoping for some BA armor of like title all across like four meters long past my character. Sergeant Dean Force. In and just like everybody goes, oh my god, it's Dean of Anger and Fear and Mike times three. And just like he walks into the room and everybody just like alt tabs or just get, kicks himself out of the game just so they don't get killed by him. Yeah. That's what I want to see. 
Uh, you become the emperor by being the highest scoring player in an alliance that has taken and held all six of the enemy's keeps. Um, if you manage to capture an Elder Scroll, you can't carry a scroll mounted or while sneaking, and it can only exist in Cyrodiil itself, not in any of the various caves or instances inside of Cyrodiil. Scroll positions are always shown on the map, and the icon moves on the map as you do. Personally, I think that's exactly where that needs to be. Um, imagine a world where you steal uh, your enemy's Elder Scroll, or your your Elder Scroll is taken, and someone hides it in a cave, and you can't find it. Is that exactly what happened to the Elder Scrolls? Good luck playing that PvP battle. <laughs> uh, you like, can... Not to not to break away, but isn't that exactly what happened? Uh, they got stolen and lost. I, I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, one was buried with a vampire for thousands of years. <laughs> what? You can't take it into a cave. That's never happened in another game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can use some of your emperor ability. So when you become, if you actually become an emperor, uh, you get a whole emperor skill tree. Some of those you can use in PVE. Um, others you won't be able to, such as the ones that are meant for siege battles. Good. Uh, Good. No, sorry. Are, are you picturing <laughs> the Lord of the Rings scene where Sauron is just by himself in the middle of a army and he swipes his his mace and just like. Fifteen people get taken out at once. <laughs> that's what that's what I want to see from the emperor. That's like, oh crap, he's here. That's what it looks like. Let's um, <laughs> just uh, we're gonna whatever whatever uh, whatever things that you want to add to this stuff. Um, we'll we'll tack it on at the end. I want to I sort of want to get through these points. Um, but yeah, like I kind of get that same feeling too. Exactly. <laughs> Like you're just in an adventure zone, and there's you know Molog Ball's mace just. <laughs> uh, standard campaigns last three months. Zoss can make scoring duration changes depending on player needs as well. The uh, results for campaigns are very flexible, and Zoss will be watching close to see what needs changing, if anything at all. Um, also, guilds can claim ownership of either a farm, a keep, a lumber mill, or a mine, and this is done by talking to the quartermaster at these locations. Um, we've got a quote here that guild stores in keeps and resources are available when a guild claims a keep or a resource, such as a farm, a lumber mill, or a mine. Now, the quartermaster will then show the guild store to anyone that interacts with him or her and players can purchase whatever the guild that owns the claim has posted in their guild store. So here it is, guys. People are asking, there it is. how on God's green earth are people going to be able to interact with the guild store? That's it right there. That's the information. Lou, what do you think about this? I think he just stepped I think, away. I think he might. Yeah. Dave, what do you think about that? I'm excited to finally have it down in writing. Yeah. You know, we've we've had we've danced around that one sentence probably what the last three months. Mm. It it's nice to finally see it down in writing definitively. This is how it's done, you know? Yeah. That's cool. 
I'll uh, I'll 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 recite it. Uh, guild stores. Guild stores and keeps and resources are available when a guild claims a keep or a resource, such as a farm, a lumber mill, or a mine. Then the quartermaster will show the guild store to anyone that interacts with him or her, and players can purchase whatever the guild that owns that claim has posted to the guild store. So when when a guild claims a keep or any of its resources around the keep and they talk to the quartermaster and set up their store... Anyone who interacts with that quartermaster, either at that keep or that that uh, farm, lumber mill, or mine, is going to be able to access that guild's store. That's that's how it's going to be done. Um, Lou, what what do you think? I think that's a great idea, and thank God he actually said it and put it in writing to mm-hmm. where you know you can say it twice. You know, saying hey. This is how it's going to work. Um, because, again, you know, I like the fact, too, that it's saying, you know, keeps are not only the important things out there in Cyrodiil. You've got to get the resources, too. Yeah, so Galderman has a question. He says, what happens if two or three guilds claim a keep at the same time? That's not going to happen. I actually, yeah. It's going to go to one of them. But you got to think. If, if it, it only goes to one of them. But you would say, wow, but there there can't be that many. How big is Cyrodiil? They said the size of Skyrim. There can be that many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once again, there is no PvE or PvP gear. Gear is gear and is effective no matter what you're doing. Uh, PvE content exists in Cyrodiil. In Bruma, Chadenhall, Coral, Cropsford, Vlastaris and through the various caves that are in Cyrodiil. Well, these places offer tons of gear and gold. However, doing this content won't directly affect the PvP war. I like that one. I like it a lot. For us PvP folk, you know, if um, we're interested in seeing what Cyrodiil looks like, how close is this thing to, to Oblivion, um, we're going to want to go in there and check out some of this stuff. Like, you know, for me in particular, I'm definitely interested in checking out Bruma, Chadenhall, Coral, Cropsford, because these are the places that I know in um, in Oblivion. I want to see what that looks like. All of a sudden now I'm going from, you know, one to the other, and holy cow, I just found myself good, bad, and the ugly uh, style. I don't know if you saw that movie, um, but I just wandered into a giant war, into a giant battle, and I find myself having to fight. That's really cool. Lou's giggling at me. <laughs> Sorry. What do you think, Lou? Is that is that cool? Is that? Hey, um, I think that's great. I, I do like the fact that there are including PV content in Cyrodiil. You know, because you know, if Cyrodiil is as huge as they make it to be, then God, you know what? Uh, make it. You can have best of both worlds in there. You can do PV content. Problem is, you could get ambushed to doing it, you know, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, but they said this though, you know, in the past, there is PVE content in Cyrodiil, which is a PVP zone. Again, you know, I want to reiterate, I don't want to hear people complaining to later on down the line. Oh my God, I just got ganked. <laughs> I, 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 I just got ganked. That, that's stupid. No, you're in PVP zone. What did you expect? <laughs> 
You know, I, 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 sorry, that mindset, that 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 kind of thinking just irks me. <laughs> that you know, yeah, there is PvE content there, yeah. but it's in PvP zone, and everyone knows it, except for you, obviously, since you're complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's hope we don't have to. We don't get too many of that going on. Um, let's see, where did I leave off? Leaderboards. Leaderboards exist in PvP and update every 10 minutes. You can filter them by class, alliance, and overall leaders. Uh, PvP fighting is more about coordination, plan of attack, and tactics over zerging and disorganization. So just because you've got a large group and you're in the middle of it doesn't mean you're not going to get your butt handed to you by a smaller band of very skilled and knowledgeable warriors. And that's exactly where this needs to be. If you're going to put PvP in Elder Scrolls, which doesn't work, by the way, or it doesn't, I shouldn't say it doesn't work, but it's, it's not been done in, in an Elder Scrolls game before, and probably because they've all been single-player games up to this point, right. um, you got to make sure that you're putting in a brand of intelligence into PvP. It can't be this, this you know, World of Warcraft BS, you know, um, battle map crap where you where you go in there and you just face roll or you don't pay attention to what you're supposed to be doing and you're just out there killing people you know uh, characters left and right you know you've got to make your objectives clear you've got to make them concise you you've got to it's got to be a lot of fun and then but at the same time it's got to be simple to understand and difficult to master that's everything Elder Scrolls, and if they make their PvP that way, and they have, then that's fitting. It's definitely fitting. Dave, what say you on this? Because I know you're you're extremely excited too that that PvP is sort of being hailed as this. I like <clears throat> what it sounds like it's going to be on a character perspective. There's a few of the system I personally would not have included because I feel that it's going to take away from the experience. Uh, the welfare system, I don't care for it. Neither do I care for the the uh, leaderboards, but we've already had that conversation many times over. Uh, but honestly, the one thing that's going to keep people coming back to PvP is if they feel that they can walk into PvP without just being stepped on. And if it's about skill more so than it is about gear or about having the perfect build, then that's that's going to drive people to want to go into PvP, and that's a good thing. Yeah, agreed. It's uh, it's driven me to want to to want to check out PvP in this game for sure. And like I said, I'm not. I used to play a lot of PvP in um, in World of Warcraft in their second expansion, um, which God, Burning been, Crusade. Burning Crusade. Yeah, it's it's been so long. I can't. Not like I can remember a damn thing at all today, anyway. But <laughs> that one escaped me. Uh, Burning Crusade, yeah. I used to play a lot of PvP in there, actually. And it was a lot of fun. And um, I, I sort of liked the feeling of it back then. And since then, it has gotten away from that that um, that feeling. PvP, for me, it, it's it's got to have that, that you know, it's got to have something in it other than just, you know, okay, let me just mindlessly walk over to this guy and see who can push their buttons faster. Yep. Rift. <laughs> uh. Let's see, Swotor. <laughs> you get on your side of the football field, I'll get on my side of the football field. Whoever hits their button first when they get to the middle wins. Wins, yeah. Although although Galactic Starfighter, I've I've been playing that, and that that's that's like World of Warplanes 
in in Star Wars. It's freaking amazing. I love that. <laughs> uh, moving along, and let's let's finish this out. All right, Zoss has a very accurate population reporting system, and we'll be looking to check on population numbers in various campaigns. So if campaigns do end up becoming this, you know, extremely lopsided population thing, they're going to be able to uh, to fix that on the fly, I believe. That's so speculation, bit. but I, they will be able to to do something about it is basically what they're saying. You didn't get a, an NSA kind of feel from that? Again, an like, NSA we're watching kinda... you. <laughs> Go play nice. Be good. No, the, we're not here with a camera. What? Uh, you are able to switch your campaign and guest campaign status. Switching your home campaign will cost you alliance points, and you are grant, but you are granted a free switch as well. So, so uh, you you can get a free switch to another campaign. Um, but it seems like everything after that free switch, it will cost you alliance points. Good. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. You don't want people hopping between alliances just to win stuff for people who pay for it. No. That's good. <clears throat> uh, you can join other players' campaigns if you're in their group. If your alliance has any bonuses, you will receive those from your home campaign. So basically what's going to happen is if you, if you group up with somebody and you go over to their, to their alliance, it sounds like to me that you're not necessarily going to be um, fighting, fighting the same war that you would be fighting if it were just, it was just you. Um, and then additionally, if your alliance happens to have accrued any of those those alliance bonuses through through victories in their campaign you'll you'll port that over to your to your group mates um alliance as you fight with them which i think is an interesting concept um but i'm not 100% ready to quite buy this yet i'm i'm wondering exactly how that's going to work what do you think on that lou anything well, yeah, I actually need some more clarification on that because then, yeah. again, you would have players you know, hopping back and forth between campaigns if they had the alliance points, <clears throat> you know, to boost, you know, a friend's campaign because they've got those bonuses. Uh, you know, I wonder if it's group if it's group applicable or just player specific. I bet it's player specific. Player specific. Yeah. At least for how it's written, it looks player specific. Saying yeah. that if you did something awesome and got points for it. If you are in need of changing campaigns, what you did will be remembered at least for the duration that three month duration of that campaign. Well, no, what it, what it's saying is that if your if your alliance, all right, is doing well to the point where it has those bonuses, and you group up with somebody and they're in a completely different campaign, you can go into your group members' uh, campaign and you'll bring those benefits over from your home alliance. I don't like that. It depends on how it goes off. I mean, you People can't group be... up. You can't group up with anyone. Let's 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 look at the facts. All right, you can't group up with anybody in an enemy faction. So it's not like if you're in the Daggerfall Covenant, you're grouping up with anybody else. So if you mm -hmm. are in an alliance, right, and your other friend here is on a completely different server, server shard or instance, I should say, um, and you group up with them. 
and you go into their campaign, okay, you're both in the same team. You're both Daggerfall Covenant no matter what. You know by simply by by grouping up with them, you're going to be in the Daggerfall Covenant no matter what. Um, and your campaign, the Daggerfall Covenant, has bonuses. And in their campaign, Daggerfall Covenant doesn't have bonuses by grouping up and going with that guy's campaign you personally will be experiencing the bonuses that your Daggerfall Covenant campaign is experiencing. That is what it says to me, that you personally will have those bonuses, not necessarily bring in those bonuses into a, into the group. Go ahead, Dave. I uh, just, I'm... You know, so it's things like this that make me worry that it could be exploited, and that's that's all it is. I, uh, I worry that it'll be exploited in some way. I agree. I definitely, I definitely think that just based on this information, there there could be a possibility of exploitation. Um, although we, we don't know, we we have very little information on this. So so yeah, we'll see. They, but I, they I'm, need to elaborate on that. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm a little worried about it too, to be honest. I I wouldn't want to see too much exploitation out of that. Um, let's see. And the final two things that we learned from, from Brian Wheeler's, uh, Q and a with the elitist jerks. Cyrodiil is so large. It'll take you 20 to 30 minutes to go from North to South on foot. Shank, I hope you heard that. I I don't understand. What do they mean? Uh, it's big. It's a big place. Why would you, is is that because there's a loading screen? I no. What? But, (laughs) When you go for okay, let's say you're at one, your top of it, and you want to get to the bottom of it, you would wait twenty or thirty minutes for a loading screen. No, no, Dave. I don't, I don't understand. How do they? What do they mean? That's it's, that's not how you fast travel. No, that's not how you fast travel at all. No. What then? What is that? <laughs> so so um. For those of you out there uh, who who may be confused, uh, and by that I mean just Dave, which I know what you're getting at. It's just it's a uh, it's a poorly Nobody worded. walks on foot. Don't be stupid, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but twenty to thirty minutes uh, to get from north to south on foot. That means you're not mounted. Um, you're you're hoofing it. You're on foot or, or not hoofing it, so to speak. Yeah, right. Try try walking through an active battle in Cyrodiil, Cyrodiil and walk for 30 minutes straight without getting ganked four times over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that'll take longer than that because you're going to constantly be attacked or running away or stopping to fight off someone. Picking blue mountain flowers. That's huge, though. I mean, when was the last time you played a game and you were going from point A to point B and it took you 30 minutes to get there? I mean, well, that's, that's a bad question, but... I'm broken up with girlfriends because they take too long. I'm not going to sit through a video game for that long. <laughs> uh, I guess it depends on on what the girl's doing for that for that duration of time. Um, siege weaponry can be. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to glance over that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We already just let that one slide through. Yeah, just let that, uh, <laughs> no pun intended, Lou. Uh, <laughs> Siege weaponry can be utilized to help a small group of players fight off a large group. Siege weaponry can be used to help a small group fight off a large group. 
I wouldn't mind that. Wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah, it makes sense, and I'm glad they brought that in there. You know, if you've got a catapult and you see a group of 20 coming after you, yeah, like, oh, oh let's use a catapult on them with a ballista. I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of seeing this in my head that you've got um behind your your walls of protection there, you know, you've got a a huge catapult on inside those walls and a huge freaking you know, um 100 plus army is just coming at you with their siege weaponry and they're trying to set their siege weapons up and there's only 20 of you inside this fort and you've got a hundred enemy players out there ready to tear your walls down. You're like, okay. Um, so this is not a good day. <laughs> yeah. And then someone says, well, hold on guys. We've got, we've got siege weapons too. Let's set them all up in the courtyard and just start hurling boulders at these idiots. And that's what happens. And then it's nice to know that you can use siege weaponry to hurl boulders over your own walls and actually target enemy players, like a group of enemy players and take them out instead of just the siege weapons, only recognizing like structures as, as targets as viable targets for those weapons, which in some games is the case. Like you can't use siege weapons all the time on players. All right, guys. Um, let's starting, starting with Lou, what, of this stuff that we we have heard uh, regarding the live Q and A with Brian Wheeler, what what do you what have you taken away from this? Well, I'm glad that they still are talking about uh, the the amount of PVE content that's going to be available in PvP. So it's not just that's available in Serial, so it's not just one type of content. You know, they have both sets in there. You know, for people to enjoy. Um, I do like the fact that. That they are, uh, you know, having Elder Scroll there, and you can always see it on the map. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, whoever's carrying that, he's going, he or she's going to be the biggest target in that area. Oh yeah. Oh, without a doubt, the guy's going to have an army after him. Yeah, it's going to be like, who wants to carry the scroll? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to carry it. Why don't you carry? No, no. no. Give it to Dave. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone's going to be uh, very interested in, in grabbing that thing and running it down. To their to their home territory and being that hero, that's what she said. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know. And, and the last thing too, one, the one point I did want to bring up too is the fact that, uh, you know, the PvP fighting is more about coordination, plan of attack, and tactics over the ubiquitous Zerg and the disorganized mob that's out there. Mm. Now I'm glad you know Zoss is taking that approach to where <clears throat> it's not about. Uh, the gear. Yeah. Okay. You know, back, back to the point, there's no differentiation between PvP and PvP gear. It's just one set of gear, one set of weapons. That's it. You know, what you've got is what you got. You're not, not going to have some Battlemaster set that you got to, you know, kill 25,000 players and then go to the Quartermaster and, you know, and Stormwind and pick up the set. No, it's going to be what you've got is what you've got. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, you know, how 20 players can, yeah, quite effectively hold off 40 or 50 players to help arrives. Or successfully defend the keep, or, or take it. Yeah, it's you know, about. It's all about you know. If we take this lumber mill here, we may have to give up you know this farm because we can't protect the farm and lumber mill. Which resource do we need the most? We need wood. So give up the farm. Yeah. You know, it, it's going to take planning, and and some thinking. Organization, skill. This is all stuff that makes a good a good battle. Right, a good battle, and you know what? I'm all for that because it's going to promote, at least to me, interaction, a lot of social. Uh, a 
lot of communication between the player bases. I mean, you know, we have to talk to each other. We have to work with each other mm. more so than in other games that have come out in the past because it's going to be a necessary element in the game. In order for for your uh, for your alliance to survive, at least in the PvP sense, you have to be willing to talk to and coordinate and play nice with players of your own faction because that's the only way things are going to get done. Exactly. Uh, Dave, what you got? I'm going to be mean. Is it okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what we what, Reading through this, looking uh-huh. through all of this, this is the most meat, true, tangible, definitive statements we've received about PvP since, God, I don't know when. It's been a long time. I love information like this. Yeah. If they were to, res- to be, oh, it's only a PvP game, giving out PvP information like this, I'd be more than willing to report on it all the time, day and night. Not the rah rah. Oh, look, PvP. You can play PvP in our game. Oh, wow. That that's that's irritating. This right here is the real information. Yeah. Raw if, and untempered. If you're, if you're listening to the show right now and you're like, oh my god, what did I miss? Rewind it. It's worth re-listening to because this is what is getting me excited for PvP. Finally. Finally. Yeah. And, you know, this isn't necessarily like, you know, the, the sexiest piece of information that, that's out there or the most attractive thing that, that Zoss really puts out. But, you know, when, when we have these huge blocks of information, and certainly this, this uh, Q&A with Brian Wheeler, which, again, you can find it on Elitist Jerks and Ten Ton Hammer, you know, we, we comb through it. And we're going to take the time to, to go through this as much as we possibly can because even though it's it can be tedious um at the same time this is where a bulk of the questions that we field come from um or at least they're getting answered in this in this form and you know it's definitely uh it's definitely worth you know taking a multiple listens to because you hear it once you caught some things but you didn't catch all of this something there's a huge interview oh yeah Uh, well um no, we didn't. <laughs> I guarantee you, we didn't. <laughs> it took me. Uh, it took me about three hours to to compile that list to, today. But oh lord, yeah, we didn't miss anything. <laughs> okay, good. But um, what we probably did miss was some some perspective out there that maybe the three of us don't necessarily have. And and for those of you out there that that may be listening, if you think we've missed anything or you would like to, you know, add to it or you know, send us an email, send us a, a tweet on Twitter. And, um, you know, at the end of the show, we get into how you can reach us and all that, you know, weigh in. That's why we've got a chat room and they've been, they've been beautiful to yeah. We love our chat room. Indeed. All right. So, um, Dave, since, since we're on you right now, uh, what? Emperor's armor set came out this week. They're showing you, they're giving us a preview of what that looks like. At least the concept art anyway, man. Yep, want me to read the write-up on it? Yeah, please, please, uh, please present this. All right. Uh, this week, Zoss released an image of an armor set that only the Emperor of Tamriel can wear. As you know, those who perform the best on the battlefield in Cyrodiil become Emperor and can unlock an entire skill line dedicated to being the ruler. Now it seems not only can you destroy your enemies with the skill line, but you'll look the part too. Donning this set of epic Tamrielic armor. 
Oh, please tell me you're zooming in on that right now. Oh, yeah, look at that right there. Oh, my God. Did you lick your screen when you first saw that? I'm licking it now. <laughs> hey, uh, Jessica Chobot, where are you? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Random Jessica Chobot reference. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just admiring this image, dude. It looks awesome. Yeah, Isn't it that, great? That, oh, my God. <laughs> Finally, a game that's putting that much effort and detail into their armor. Come, come on. Sauron, yes or no? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, okay, yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's missing, kind of, he's missing the kind of cloak thing he was wearing in the movie, but that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool, though. Look look at... You know what? Here's Here's some of the details that I like about this, okay? First of all, it, it's it's not flamboyant, all right. It's not com- it's not so uh, dressed and adorned that um, it's just ridiculous. Okay, it's not made of pure shining gold. It's it's not made of pure shining anything. It's it's just simply, uh, you know, what armor should probably. It's it's functional but yet representational of the office as well. I mean, you've got this giant freaking ruby just chilling on this dude's chest, as well as an actual crown built into the helmet. This guy walks That's onto nice. the battlefield. You know what he is because he it, it, the the armor represents protection, and it also it also represents <laughs> status, and um, it does it in a in a very I think less is more kind of a way. That's what I really like about this. Dude, you know what's going to happen. Like, certain people are going to get Emperor, are going to love the armor, they're going to rally for it. Three more months! Three more months! <laughs> you know, they're going to have, like, the full-out banners and everything. It's going to be great. Mm. Liz uh, in the chat oh. room is saying, I really wish they'd consider that the Emperor could be female. You know, I think they already thought about that. Mm. They've probably either, you know, they have a... Well, let's put, let, me, let me rephrase that. I hope they don't go the route of like the heavy metal magazine type fantasy armor because that would just be crazy. Um, for once, I'm going to say no. I wouldn't like the Dover Floss type armor for the females <laughs> in ESO. No, because but, it's not. It's not. It's not right, Elder it's Scrolls. Not, it's not Elder Scrolls. But yeah, I, I, but Liz is right. There should be a variant for you know for females. Yeah. Well, there are some big pecs on that image that they have there, like. It's got a chest, but the one thing that I think we can all take away from this that we can appreciate and enjoy is that the Emperor's armor set doesn't have tail armor. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a hole for the butt right over no, here. No, no dirty Argonians <laughs> no. are sitting on my throne. What, 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 the Khajiit? No, huh? no. They can go poop in the sand. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no hole in the armor. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because Dave's an Ebonheart pack guy. So so why why would you be unwilling to accept an Argonian? Okay, first off, the Argonians are in the Ebonhards because we... Okay, everybody else has the three different races. Mm-hmm. Ebonheart only has two. We have the Argonians with us as a third race but they're more of a food source. So really, it's the Dunmer and the Nords versus everybody else. <laughs> they wow. just there, Spotter Dave. <laughs> Send in the first wave! 
<laughs> Don't Send back them the up. They're all Argonians. Let them die. Amazing. Amazing. Oh. Lou, Lou, did oh, you Lou should... did you give oh, us your thoughts, Lou? Oh yeah, yeah. I just wanted to add to it if I could. Mm, please. Uh, dies. The die system. I really wish that, yes, even though this is an iconic look for the Emperor, for his or her armor set, I, I do hope that they give whoever player who is crowned the Emperor gives them the option to die their armor. Because that would be cool. I would... I would Personalize it for themselves. In... Yeah. For... Um... All right, let me let me think about this because I'm, I was gonna say this is the one time I gotta respectfully disagree with you regarding the die system on armor. And Shut the, up, <laughs> <laughs> Dave! You're ignoring the question, Dave. <laughs> um, if you, <laughs> I'm such an ass. <laughs> if if um if this is the armor of the emperor. I would think that it would be it would be culturally significant and and therefore culturally recognizable throughout the ages. Um, that said, okay, if if you became the emperor and then you got this armor and then you no longer were the emperor and the armor disappeared on you, kind of like symbolizing that you gave it back along with everything else that goes with it. Um, then I would say no dying the armor because you're, you're handing over a, a culturally significant piece of Tamriel over to its, um, its, its rightful owner and the rightful ruler. What do you mean you carved your initials into the Wabajack? <laughs> right? So, <laughs> same you know, thing. I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, like I would, it would just, to me, it would be kind of like, um, you know, a, a museum gets to, to display the um, Bill of Rights or the Constitution of the United States, you know, for like a week. And they decided to just, I don't know. Put a picture of, uh, you know, a Teletubby on there because they're, they're getting, you know, some kids coming in. Do you, you, you must realize how hard it was for like, I don't know, Adams when he was writing the, the, or signing it and, uh, John Hancock when they were signing it, how hard it must've been to not write in notation down at the bottom of the bill of rights, uh, Britain, you suck or something. <laughs> I mean, come on at this time, the, the armor isn't culturally important. It's just. Hey, look! It's my armor. You don't know what's going to happen yeah. in the future, so I can see reason as to being like, "It's my armor. It's in my bags. I should be able to do whatever the hell I want with it." Because at the time, you would probably feel that way. But knowing what we know now, yes, it's culturally important and it's an iconic thing that should not be desecrated. I uh, right, and then but but at the same time, when I was you know going to tell Lou that I don't necessarily think it should be dyed because you know it's it's kind of like you know culturally significant. It's an artifact, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if if you keep if you keep your own set of this armor and that's yours and no one else is going to wear it, and 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 believe me, listeners out there, okay, I know that if you dye the armor and you lose the emperorship. And it despawns. It's not going to respawn in the new emperor's bags with you know your die on there. I know that. Okay, <laughs> don't, so don't send us any email, email, email saying. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah. Bright pink armor to show up one day. Who the hell was the previous <laughs> emperor? 
Right. I, I, I don't think they're going to, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm just saying from a lore uh, standpoint, from a lore perspective, I don't think that a person who became the emperor is going to actually rub a little dye on there and be like, okay, no, it's mine. But, you know, from a gameplay standpoint, if it doesn't, if you actually keep it, I, I would think it'd be kind of cool to, to, uh, to dye it. Lou, on those notes, which are, you know, like everything else, extremely long winded of me, um, <laughs> what's your reaction to some of that? Well, yeah, I can see the point where you're right. It is an actual uh, iconic set of armor, which stands for you know the Empress So, in a way, yeah, I I can see where you may not want to be able to die because yeah, it has to stand out to where this particular or you know what, this particular color combination for this armor, it's the Emperor. No one else, you know, in the legions or in Cyrodiil has that armor, has that color scheme. Mm-hmm. So there's no mistaking who that person is. Um, but by a team token, I do hope they have armor dies anyway. That's whole different side thing. But yes, you're right. Um, you want to make the emperor stand out. So yeah, if you did die the armor, have the ability to die the, the emperor's armor set. Yeah, they could want to take it away, and uh, it may give players pause. Saying, All right, that that can't be that person. You know, if you're in that final stage where you're actually about the, that close to taking over the emperorship. You know, you may miss that crucial moment where you you could have been the lucky person to stab the emperor in the back. You know, yeah. And I guess I could get that kill cam. That'd be sweet. Slow cam, slow cam kill shot of you stabbing the emperor, taking <laughs> over. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, but you know, overall, the armor set is amazing, and I really do hope that this is it. Like no other armor set in the game looks like this. Like this is it. Yeah, very you know, alone, a unique look. Stand out. I don't see a reason for you to have to die it. Right. All right, guys. Well, that uh, that ends our discussion topics for the evening. Um, thank you very much, gentlemen, for weighing in on on everything that you you have. Uh, we want to take the time and mention our sponsor today, which uh, we want to thank Tweaked Audio, TweakedAudio.com, for sponsoring our show in part today. Uh, these guys create create headphones, they create earbuds, and uh, some pretty some pretty awesome stuff as well. Um, I've got their website here up on the live stream and as you can see hopefully the live stream is, is getting some of these prices um they start at 14.95 and they go down to uh 39.95 as well for for some of their uh more feature filled earbuds uh currently right now i'm using uh, these the classic black these are 29.95 all right and these particular ones have some nice durable uh metal construction over here uh, they have a nylon cord, which uh, basically ensures that the the uh, earbuds themselves will not be tangling up or getting crimped up, and you know uh, all those various ways that your your earbuds can can uh, get all tied up and all that. Uh, the best thing that comes out of these is the sound quality. The reason why I use these in particular is because the sound quality that comes out of this is absolutely fantastic. Bar none. Um, I've said it on a couple of previous shows that the the last time I've heard sound quality like this was was coming out, or at least comparable sound quality anyway, was uh, coming out of a pair of uh, Bose <clears throat> Bose headphones. Um, yeah, they are actually for twenty nine ninety five. These are comparable to Bose headphones. These things are fantastic. Uh, they have a inline mic as well, so when you plug this into your cell phone, you can answer calls. And uh, put them on hold with that uh, with their uh, button that's on the micro- the uh, the line as well. So lots of functionality. 
part of their part of their uh, construction here, part of their durability and their their um, the reason why they've got such great sound coming out of this is because of the plug right here. It's got uh, you know a, a gold plating on it that conducts electricity and sound a lot better. Um, twenty nine ninety five on their site. Okay, you get free worldwide shipping. All right, fantastic customer service. If there's ever an issue with any of these headphones, all right, just give them a call. They'll give you a hand. Usually, what they do is they send you a a free pair. And if you want to get them uh, for for just a, a little a little bit off, all right, a little little money slashed out there. Use our code off the record, all one word. It'll get you thirty percent off your entire order at checkout. And that again is at tweakedaudio.com. Deaf question of the week, folks. Here it is. Coming from the Elder Scrolls online website. Here is your dev question of the week. Hi, I'm Jeff Leininger, and I'm a content designer on the Elder Scrolls Online. Here's your developer question for the week. When you visit Cyrodiil in the Elder Scrolls Online, you'll find yourself in a vast landscape full of opportunities and danger. What are you looking forward to the most? Sieging keeps with your alliance? Finding locations that you recognize from oblivion? Exploring dungeons with your friends? Or something else? Wow, that's a great question. That's one of the better ones that we've had um, in a while. Last week's was was pretty good too, but I mean, this this sort of speaks to me, grabs me like that. <laughs> All right. So, what are you looking forward to the most in Elder Scrolls Online? Sieging keeps with your alliance, finding locations that you remember from Oblivion, exploring dungeons with your friends, or something else. What do you think, Dave? Uh, in all honesty, mm-hmm. the only thing I'll be doing for the that I know hands down is the dungeons. Yeah, I agree with that. What about you, Lou? Ooh, that's tough because I, I really, I really wanted to, to do all of it, experience all of that. Hmm. But mostly, I'm looking forward to actually. Laying siege to keeps, you know, taking over the farms, the mills, the mines from other players. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually engaging in a game that promises that that kind of uh, PvP style, uh, you know, that I like. So I'm actually looking forward to that. Uh, me personally, it depends. Uh, it certainly depends on the day, of course. But uh, let's let's say you know, it's my first time getting into. Um, into PVP in, in Elder Scrolls Online. First thing I'm going to want to do is I want to I want to go into all of the different places that I recognize from Oblivion. I want to see how right they got it. I want to be awe inspired. I want to walk inside Broom and be like, oh, it looks just like Bruma. How oh, cool! I want to hey, do that. Shank, look at this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take Shank in there with me, kicking and screaming. But I have to pick that flower and shop. Shank, look at Bruma. Oh, it's cool. <laughs> you know, Shank's going to be like, oh, it's really neat. Except that's an inconsistency. That isn't right. That wasn't there. 
That's how Shank's going to do it. You're right. <laughs> Maybe I'll leave Shank at home. <laughs> yeah, leave Shank behind and just enjoy it for yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that's exactly what I'm going to want to do from the outset. But, Lou, I have to agree with you. Um, one of the things that, that, uh, that I'm definitely going to be really really interested in is is getting into the battle and then once i've sort of had my fill with the battle then i'm going to want to turn around and be like all right so that was cool just destroying crap and and taking you know left and right uh taking keeps and all that that was cool but now i really want to see what's going on around here and just explore and and all that so mm-hmm. but on the outset i definitely want to compare and contrast all right, that brings us to the mod challenge of the week, and we kind of have an interesting one this week, considering it's our last Elder Scrolls off the record for the year. Crap. All that right after this. Just fists. No weapons, no magic, no crying. Let's go. Come. Never should have come here. Somebody help! Damn you. Lou! <laughs> the Lou. safety word's banana. <laughs> the safety word's Claudia Christian from Babylon 5. Has that voice now? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Lou, you, you, you had become a bard by LP. Yes. Oh. First off, let me... Folks, if you missed last week's episode, again, it's Become a Bard by LP. It's on the Steam Workshop. It may be on the Nexus if you don't want to go on the Workshop, but uh, on the forum post, sometimes it's not posted there for some reason. Like the, the original post, LP, maybe like he swaps between who hosts his mod. Mm. So there are two places where you can get it. But the easiest way to get it is from the Steam Workshop. And like if Arwen said, it's Become a Bard, where you literally become a bard, folks. All right, if you haven't done that particular quest line in Skyrim, why haven't you? It's, you know, it doesn't take that long. It's pretty cool. Um, but yes, you, in essence, become a bard. If you are a role-playing fan, I definitely recommend this mod to you because it is – I like it. I really do like this mod. Okay, uh, Let me give some background on it again just to refresh people's memories. Uh, and this is just the description from the scene workshop from the original from the creator. All right, you can pick up and play any instrument in the game, including the war horns. Yes, the war horns. And whenever you have an instrument in your inventory, you're going to have a related ability in your spell menu that lets you play that instrument. So yes, now you have a purpose to actually pick up those drums, the flutes, the lutes, and yeah, the war horns when you do see them. All right, because uh, those are pretty rare in the game. Okay, and you will gain an ability to play that instrument. Okay, hmm. of course you have to carry that instrument with you in your inventory, and you know it's not much—a pound or two at most. So it's not taking that much weight unless you're light armor wear, like my mage, which I, I probably had to stop because uh, my mage is pretty weak. So I had to switch to my assassin <laughs> to become the bard. <laughs> and actually, the, the the bard actually fits the assassin character better. Uh, more like a like a warrior top warrior bard warrior skull type thing. Because you're and, music and people killed themselves after listening to it. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Even though much better than that stupid orc killing the rock brotherhood quest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say that. Um, 
So what happens is uh, you, you pick it up, okay? You you open it that ability and it works just like uh, an ability, okay? What you do is you actually have to go to Viarmo, okay, in the Bard College, Bard's College in Solitude. And what's going to happen is that he's going to have a slew of songbooks that you can purchase, okay? And just like any spell, spellbook in the game, you know, you read it and you learn it. You're going to see an option pop up that says, do you want to learn the songs in this book? All right? Mm -hmm. And the creator actually, you the book opens up and you'll see a whole slew of actual music. You know, a whole bunch of notes written in there. <clears throat> And a great option too is that you have you actually have the ability to unlearn songs too. When you click on the book again to read it, you have the ability to actually um, you know erase those songs from your memory. I wish that was real. Okay, and yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and like a wrecking ball. Oh God, stop! No, no, <laughs> that needs to it stop. It won't go away. <laughs> and yes, as as. Kalen first first said in the chat room, yes, you use the song by using powers. It's like using any spell or ability in the game. All right, and what happens is when you choose, when you learn that song, what's going to happen is that now you have to go to your spell list and actually uh, equip or favorite that song. So now when you actually hit the Q button to actually pull up your abilities and powers, you'll see that song in there. And what happens is that once you press that, you hit that song, uh, depending upon the book you have, You'll see a list pop up of like maybe you know songs one through twelve, one through thirteen, and when you hit that particular song, that number, your character actually goes through uh, just like the regular bard motion, bard uh, movements in the game. You'll actually stop what you're doing. You'll actually whip out your instrument, your little lute. You'll start playing, and you'll go through the animations for the entire length of the song. All right. Uh, by default. The game comes. This mod comes with 125 songs, all right, and he's got a, a pretty good selection. A lot of it is uh, some very nice, uh, I guess, string music. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, think of it as more like the, the the kind of music you hear at the Renaissance type fairs. Hmm. All right, so it's that kind of string music, which is very nice. And he actually, well, he or she actually also went through some of the other pieces that you hear in the game itself from the other bards. All right, and he actually made a whole new recording of it, so it's a fresh, clearer recording of it. All right, uh, one of the books I picked up actually is songs from Maluka. So guess what? A lot of the pieces that Maluka has done for the game, they're in there, and your bard is doing it. You're actually doing those songs from Maluka. Wow. All right, and since my assassin's female, when she, you know. You're actually going to hear Maluka's version of Age of Aggression. Your bard is singing Age of Aggression. Oh, wow. The entire song. Okay? And, and you know what? And just like the bard, you get to travel. Right? You actually get a bard journal. You have 21 places you have to perform in. That's pretty cool. All right. So, yeah, you have to go to each inn and perform in each, in each of those places. And... Uh, you know, that's how you build your, your bard skill, all right? You, you gain abilities because you, there's, there are three perks in the game, all right? The experienced bard, well-known bard, and the renowned bard. And each comes with its own particular set. I only got as far as experienced, you know, and you know, I went to 15 different places and played 15 different taverns, all right? It's actually a little mini-quest. You go, you approach the innkeeper, and you 
have a dialogue option to say, you know, I'd like to perform. And he, said, he or she was like, all right, go ahead. And what happens is you choose a spot in the tavern, pick a song, you play it, and, you know, whatever song you choose, you'll, your bard will go through the motions, you know, of playing the song, singing. Uh, yes, Orange, yeah, some of the songs do have vocals, so you're actually singing the vocals, okay? Uh, and if you have a companion out with you, some of the songs actually have uh, like a second instrument or a second, uh, yeah, a second instrument that has to go with it. Your companion will about the appropriate instrument too and play along with you for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So imagine my surprise in some of the songs I played. Serrano whips out a lute too and is now standing next to me, accompanying me to the tune. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, it was it was pretty nice. And when you're done, all right, uh, when you're doing the actual quest line for performing each tavern, your bar puts the instrument away. And you will actually do the little bow, graceful bow to the crowd uh, while everyone around you is dancing. So you'll have the various NPCs in the area will actually get up and start dancing when you're playing. So would you say this is a win, Lou? Yeah, in the end, yeah. I'm sorry it's longer, but yeah, I can't say this This mod is a win. If you're a huge role-playing fan, I definitely say get this. If you want to just hear the different types of songs that are out there that this uh, creator did, this modder did, they're out there. Plus, you have the ability to import your own songs too. All right, the mod actually has uh, directions that come with it that will teach you where to put the files and how to upload them. Hmm. So yeah, you could probably play Guitar Hero if you wanted in Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to play uh, Barracuda by Heart, you probably could. Right. <laughs> or uh, or Wrecking Ball, right? Yeah, the Dover no. King knows through the fire and flames. No, no, no. That's why I wish Alduin would win and beat the Dovah King if I hear you saying that. <laughs> Go Alduin, kill a guy. <laughs> so the question is, have you ever been booed off stage? No. No, I have not. Then... And it does have perks, too. You I mean, you do get paid. You do get paid? Yes, you do get paid, and it actually earns you a free room for a night in the nice. tavern. So Nice. If you're hurting for money, it's a good way to do it. <laughs> So, 10 out of 10 for Lou, correct? Yes, and there are other features that come with this mod that I haven't had time to go over yet, and you know, I, I don't want to rob you the experience, but yeah, definitely get this mod, become a bar by LP. It's definitely worth it. Cool. All right. Uh, here we go. Mod challenge of the week. Now, here's, here's the new mod for the week. And here's how this works. All right, the mod challenge is for one host, and one host only that week. I'm going to announce who the challenge is for, and then the host clicks on the link and then reads off what the mod is, and the host has has until the next show to install and try out the mod. All right, so here's the link, and I choose you, our chat room, and everyone listening. That's right, you guys, here is your mod challenge. Merry Christmas, everyone, and Happy New Year. Go ahead, and if you're watching the YouTube version of this right now, the mod I want you to try out is Festive Flight, Flying Reindeer Mount by Verta Iron. <laughs> you can, this, is for, uh, this is obviously for Skyrim, and you can get this on the, the uh, Steam Workshop. Um, but there is also a version of it available on Skyrim Nexus as well. And uh, and what does this do? Well, basically, uh, it gives you a uh, a reindeer that you can mount 
and fly around in Skyrim with. It's uh it's a little mod here designed to to wish you guys a merry Christmas and to have fun in Skyrim with all the uh the the many different ways that uh you you may be able to uh to have fun in and kind of get you in the uh the holiday spirit if you will. Uh here are some of the pictures. I'm showing this up on the uh on the live stream as well. Obviously it's a uh <laughs> It is. It is Rudolph. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer flying around in Skyrim, and it is again. It is a a. You can fly on this mount. A few messages from the chat room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's lore friendly. <laughs> Skyrim don't celebrate Christmas, yo. And do we get paid for this? No, you don't get paid for it. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's not lore friendly, and I know Skyrim doesn't celebrate. Christmas, but um, for <laughs> for those of you that don't mind the obvious uh, break in lore, uh, certainly what this does is uh, it'll it's a it's a nice little mod for you to to download and have fun with uh, for Christmas. So email us, guys. Send us an email. Send us a tweet and let us know how you enjoyed festive flight. One of these weeks, I'm going to get you a mod. You're going to be like, and this mod's weak, and I'm going to jump in and be like, Avarwin! I'm going to link it. You're going to be like, what? What? <laughs> oh my, what a, what a scandal that would be, indeed. Um, so, the Elder Scroll guys lose lore segment, and we're talking about uh, the Alibaba. We'll get to... <laughs> we'll get to that in just a second. Library Bookstore, this is Scott. How may I help you? Yes, you have an Elder Scroll. Hello, and what can I do for you? You have an Elder Scroll. An Elder Scroll? Yes, I'd very much like to have those scrolls. Oh my! (laughs) And without any further ado, Lou! Lou, you're on mute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much, kind sir. And today's Elder Scroll is on the Amidala. Or the Memoirs of Morahouse, Consort to Alessia. And there's a little note here attached to it. The Amidala is traditionally believed to be the Memoirs of Morahouse, Consort to Alessia, the Slave Queen. While this cannot be historically verified, the Amidala is, def- is certainly among the oldest written accounts to come down to us from the early first era. And the first part it covers. Pelinol's death. And in the blood-floored throne room of white gold, the severed head of Pelinol spoke to the winged bull Morehouse, demigod lover of Al-Esh, saying, Our enemies have undone me and spread my body into hiding. In mockery of divine purpose, the aliens cut me into eights, for they are obsessed with this number. And Morales, confused, snorted through his ring, saying, Your crusades went beyond her counsel, Whitestrake. But I am a bull, and therefore reckless in my wit. I think I would go and gore our prisoners if you had left any alive. You are blood made glorious, Uncle, and will come again as fox or animal or light. Sirod is still ours. Then, Pelinol spoke again for the last time. 
Beware, Mara House, beware. With the foresight of death, I know now that my foe yet lives. Bid her knowledge to take to my grave. Better that I died believing myself the victor. Although cast beyond the doors of night, he will return. Be vigilant. I can no longer shield the host of men from Umaril's retribution. Part 2. Alessia's Youth During the Slave Years Paris' original tribe is unknown, but she grew up in Sard, also known as Sard of our lead, with aliens herded men from across all the Niven. Kothri, Need, Algema, Menachif, though these were later known to be imported from the north. The Keptu, men of Gay, who were eventually destroyed when the Flower King Nilichi made great sacrifice to an insect god named, oh, the name is lost, <laughs> the Al-Hared, men of Ket, and others. But this was Sirod, the heart of the Imperatum Saliak, where men know no freedom, even to keep family or choice to name except in secret, and so, to the alien masters, all these designations were irrelevant. Men were given over to the lifting of stones and the draining of the fields and the upkeep of temple and road, or to become art tortures for strange pleasures, as in the wailing wheels of Indicel and the gut gardens of Saracen, and flesh sculpture, which was everywhere among the slaves of the aliens in those days, or worse, the realms of the fire king Hadul with the beginning of drugs drawn from the admixture of daedrons into living hosts, let one hail new visions of torment, and children were set aflame for nighttime tiger sport. Part 3. Morehouse explains Alessia's names. Then Morehouse said to them, In your tales you have many names for her, Al-Esh, given to her in awe, that when translated sounds like a redundancy, the high, high, from which come the more familiar corruptions, Alashut, Esha, Alessia. You knew her as Paravant, given to her when crowned first of its kind, by which the gods met a mortal worthy of the majesty that is killing, questing, healing, which is also Paraval, Pevesh, Peratu, Perif, and in my case, for it is what I called her when we were lovers. Parvania. Though she is gone to me, she remains bathed in stars. First Empress, Lady of Heaven, Queen Ut Sirad. And they considered themselves fully answered, and they departed. And that's a short take from the Adabala, or the members of Mara House, concert to Alessia. I hope you all enjoyed it. And I want to say thank you to the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages the Elder Scrolls Wiki, and the Imperial Library for presenting all this information. If you really enjoy the Lord's Seven, go to the site, take a look. I hope, you know, you'll like it. Uh, yeah, and uh, thanks again, Lou. Uh, very, very nice. Uh, I gotta say, this is, I'm used to, after the, the three-parter uh, that we had the last couple of weeks, I gotta say, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm used to it being, like, far longer, and I was looking at this, and I was like, you know, more, more, Lou, more, more. <laughs> what, what is this? <laughs> um, so we are introducing a brand new uh, piece of our of our lore segment this week. 
And um, this is going to be called This Week in Tamrielic Holidays. And this was sort of born out of the frustration uh, that I kind of go through when um, when we do have a... If you follow our Twitter account out at Elder Scrolls OTR, what I try and do every single day is I try and, you know, throw out a little tweet out there that that basically says, you know, what what today's date is in the Elder Scrolls calendar. And sometimes, a lot of times, we we have these holidays. And, you know, I look up the holiday and I try and fit it into a 140 character Twitter message. And a lot of times I, I sort of fall short of, of being able to fully describe it. So what I would like to do is every single time we do have a holiday in a week, I'd like to be able to talk a little bit about it on, on, uh, on this segment. So this week we actually had two holidays uh, in, in Tamriel. And the first one happened on Evening Star the 15th, and that was called North Wind's Prayer. And uh, this comes, again, from the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages, uh, or UESP.net. And they say that the 15th of Evening Star, a holiday reverently observed by the temples as North Wind's Prayer. It is a thanksgiving to the gods for a good harvest and a mild winter. The temples offer all their services, blessings, curing, healing, for half the donation usually requested. Also... Uh, on Evening Star the 18th, we had Baranth Doe. Baranth Doe is celebrated on the 18th of Evening Star by the Red Guards of the Alakir Desert. Its meaning is goodbye to the beast of last year. Pageants featuring demonic representations of the old year are popular, and revelry to honor the new year is everywhere. It's really a thumbs up sort of occasion. It is. Baranth Doe, good. <laughs> orange man josh is saying i think one of those calendars where you tear up each day should be made you know what that probably is or I, that or Bethesda should get on it <laughs> i i agree i agree 110 percent. that is it's a it, that's a fantastic that's an elder scrolls lore nut uh, dream come true to be honest okay uh we're gonna start getting into your emails guys right after this i've been looking for you Got something I'm supposed to deliver. Your hands only. And Dave, we were emailed from Osgand. Could you please deliver that mail? Sorry, I was scarred by that sound you played. This is from Osgand again, <laughs> who's who's one of our favorites. He actually wrote us back. I missed last week's uh, mail segment, but we I, we read his aloud two weeks ago which was in reply to the week before that. Anyway, he says, first off, 4-4-14, woo! I know, we're all excited. Now that that's out of the way, over the past few months, many people have been asking about the size of Tamriel and ESO. Given that Zoss will be using the height map from Oblivion for Cyrodiil, I've done some rough estimations, and I've got what I believe to be a reliable number. First, I got that the in-game area of Cyrodiil, about 22 square miles. Then, using the scale of a map of all Tamriel, I got the approximate size of the other provinces and the continent itself. Uh, where was I? All told, it came out to be about 130 square miles for all of it. 
I know this assumes that the provinces are not divided into separate zones that have different scales, but here's hoping. Osgood. Sound like a large amount of game area? It's more than most people would think. Yeah. Just just on a on a scale basis here, okay? He does say that he got the game area from Cyrodiil uh, in, in Oblivion. So if you play Oblivion, okay? If you play Oblivion, and you know it very well, that whole game area is 22 square miles in Oblivion. Um, he That's assuming a lot. What, 22 square miles in, in Oblivion? No, that people would play Oblivion. It's not hard today, Dave. It's it's definitely not hard. You have like a, a plus ten to, to oh. critting critting my sanity. Very nice. <laughs> so so yeah, twenty two square miles if you if you play Oblivion or if you're like Dave and, and you're a jerk and you don't, um you would have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but 22 square miles is what Cyrodiil is in Oblivion. If you're familiar with that, imagine, imagine what 130 square miles for, for all of it. Uh, so, so basically, and I'll, I'll read this off again, uh, using the scale map of Tamriel, I got, uh, the approximate size of all of the provinces and the continent itself. All told, it came out to 130 square miles for all of it. That's uh, tremendous. Yeah, that is a lot of game area. Oh my god! Yeah. And that's just yeah, what they're launching a, with. That's a good size. Yeah, that's tremendous. And that's what they're launching with. Like at launch, imagine how much they could add. Yeah. Oh my god. That's my point. That be my point. Uh, Osgan, thank you very much for for your email. It was obviously very informative and, and extremely helpful. Lou, uh, number two, please. Sure, and this next email comes from Hugh C. And he writes in, I started playing Elder Scrolls with Oblivion and loved the Blades and Akaviria lore and both just got better with Skyrim. What do you think the chances are of Akaviria being a large expansion in ESO, or Elder Scrolls Online? Or do you think it will never leave the continent of Tamriel? Well, Hugh, uh, at this point I'd say it's, I wouldn't put anything off the table with uh, Elder Scrolls Online. I mean, as going back to our first email from Osgand, uh, the game area, you know, if we, you know, go into what he said with those uh, measurements, mm-hmm. then that's a hell of a lot of land to deal with. And, you know, depending on the, the technology that Zoss is using to create the mega server, okay, and to put all that in there, who knows? You know, they, they've probably allowed for uh, expansions like that where they are going to add. You know, other land masses. You know, like who's to say? You know, you know the Somerset Isles. Okay. Obviously, across the body of water. So yeah, there's got to be that whole uh, area to consider. You know, but I definitely would love to see them bring uh, Akibir into into the game if the, you know if they could. Think about it, man. They have curved swords. Curved swords. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. 
And our, our final email for the evening comes from Chris T., who says, hey, guys, on the topic of the open beta, I don't think they will have it be a month long, judging by the way Zoss has handled the closed beta. My bet is we can expect a four to six day open beta for stress testing purposes sometime in late February or early April. Also, I highly doubt that players will be able to keep their characters from open beta. If they did, you can bet it would be after a hard reset on everything the characters did, resetting it to a new character, essentially. Um, which is basically what we had said, you know, in the last episode, that um, mm -hmm. there's probably no way in hell. <laughs> yeah. uh, Avarwin, your thoughts on Adventure Zones are pretty much what I was thinking. And, oh my god, I hope it's like we imagine or better. Agreed. It, that that actually is exactly how it's written in this email. Mm. Oh Garwin's not overstating it. No, I'm, I'm I'm not being a valid girl. It's oh that's ma. Oh my god. Ga. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> People should know better than to write stuff like that for you to read. Yeah, we'll 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 do it. Um, we'll do it right here. And uh, I'm being assaulted. Uh, my camera's being assaulted by a wily Khajiit. Who, uh, wants to say hi <laughs> uh so it, he goes on to say it seems like shank is afraid about seeing other people turn in the same quest he is and sadly that's just how an mmo is there are other people and you are going to see them doing the same quest as yourself i know that he can get past such a tiny little thing and will enjoy the game much more than he currently thinks he will thanks for reading Keep doing what you guys do. Makes my Fridays great. Christy, a.k.a. Aradwin. So, Chris. Uh, yes, man. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely agree with um, what you're saying about Adventure Zones. I'm glad you agree with uh, with with what I had said. Um, I'm really looking forward to what Adventure Zones have, have in store. I'm looking forward to, to seeing you know what that's going to be all about. And um, on the note of Shank, I, I sort of, you know, I kind of wish he were here as well to to sort of answer, you know, what you had brought up. I think the general consensus on the show is that, um, you know, he's not an MMO player. And I think when you take his favorite game series and you smash it into something he, he just doesn't play, um, you're going to get basically what he's been, how he he feels, which is a lot of uncertainty. And, and um, so I'm. I'm thinking the same thing that you are concerning Shank that I think once he starts playing the game, he's going to really enjoy it. Um, other than that, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. So, you know, I would like to think that my friend would enjoy this game, but if he doesn't, he doesn't, <laughs> you know, such is life. What do you think, Dave? I think that Shank is uh, going to throw a hissy fit. No way. There's no perfect game for him. Mm. If it isn't just a complete, full over makeover of Oblivion, he won't be happy. Yeah, but that's just because Shanks is much of an ass as me or you. Uh, I know none of us are going to be completely content because there's always going to be that one thing with MMOs. MMOs are always a compromise. There is no perfect MMO, and there never will be. Yeah, but you gotta see if you can enjoy the game for what it is. And from what I've seen of it, I feel that it's a very good game and worth my time. 
and Lou. Yeah, a bunch of things that I agree with with Chris. It's like, yeah, um, <clears throat> that time frame for that uh, open beta, yeah, I, I could definitely get on board with that between like maybe end of February to early yeah. April. But I can expect to see that. And definitely, a lot, I hope that a lot of it would be stress testing to see. All right, let's invite a million people, see if they all get on. Ha ha, no. <laughs> and I'm also the mindset that, yeah, I don't want people keeping the character in open beta because, you know, that alone explains in itself, like, uh, you know, unless they resort them back to zero, I mean, back to level zero. Yeah, I wouldn't nothing. mind a zero reset. Right. If I could keep the name of the character, that'd be awesome, and I'd be willing to go with that. Mm. That's all they're going to give us? That's cool. I- I'm on board with that. And yeah, oh my god, with the Adventure Zones. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. And uh, with, with Shank, um, I really do hope that he, he will come around, because... In the end, even though he he can be a, a an Elder Scrolls purist, I think because he is an Elder Scrolls purist, that he is going to try the game out anyway because it, it is an Elder Scrolls game, and how can you not play it or at least try it? You know, you know how, how could he how, how could he turn it away? Said so, you know it, it is an Elder Scrolls game, I have to see it. You know I have to experience it. You know who's to say maybe two three weeks he'll put it down, but you know what? At least he gave it a shot. Yeah, and that's the way he is. He'll he'll tinker with it, and uh, you know, hopefully, he'll walk away with with uh, good feelings about it. Right, that it's keeping true to the Elder Scrolls, I guess, uh, spirit. But it's in a game style that he you know that he doesn't prefer, which you know we can all accept and understand. Indeed. All right, so uh, here we are. We're ending. We're ending the show. It's it's the bottom of the show, and it's time for our final thoughts. Uh, we we went through a tremendous amount of information uh, today. Certainly, uh, we had we had uh, the uh, progression article. We talked about MMORPG.com's uh, analysis on the the launch date announcement. We spoke about Brian Wheeler's uh, last Q and A uh, that he did this week, and we even we even uh, derped a little bit around the preview of the Emperor's armor set. All told, I think we had a tremendous amount of information on this episode and um one of the things that i really was excited to hear you know was was the the um oh geez yeah (laughs) i had it and then i lost it um go ahead dave let's uh let's go over to you and then i'll maybe hopefully I'll, i'll remember this i'm excited to hear that all the information and all the detail that came out about pvp because Honestly, that level of information is what we're going to want to hear when we hear about crafting PvE and guilds. That's what needs to come out, and and that's the way it needs to come out, in detail like that. Mm. Not, hey, there's PvP. Ooh, wow, PvP. Much PvP. Ooh, PvP nicely. No, that's that's not how... That's not interesting. That's, that's rah-rah. That doesn't give me any information. This was so much good information that I'm pleased to announce it. Uh, oh, and uh, Varwin, your face isn't ugly. I said that earlier. It was just out of spite. Oh, uh, well, uh, no, Dave. You, It's either <laughs> ugly or it's not ugly. And... Well, I'd have to compare it to other faces to, to give you a definite answer. Yeah. You should, you should compare it to my cat's face. <laughs> Am I am I ugly compared to compared to this this guy right here? 
Oh, dear God. <laughs> so he's really not happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, get, get Callie in there, not Brego. <laughs> Did you hear Mal earlier walk up in here and meow at me just as loud as he could? No, I didn't hear that, actually. Yeah, people are going to go back through the episode listening <laughs> for it. He did. He came in here and meowed at me once. I was like, what the hell do you want? Go away. What was that? And he walked out of the room and meowed on his way out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, It was white noise was what it was. Or we, we catch a lot of poltergeist from, coming from Dave's uh, audio, background audio. That's uh, Liz... <laughs> yelling at you uh, stop yes. typing so loud in there I'll let you out afterward Jeez, yes dis so that's uh, that, that's my Khajiit uh, Lou what about you final thoughts well uh, I just want to tack on to more what Dave said you know we had a lot of information this, that article you know with leadist jerks with Brian Wheeler that was an amazing bit uh, amazing slew of information mm. and you know what <clears throat> Going back to one of the points we made earlier on with their the marketing blitz is probably going to happen after the new year. Okay, I'm of mindset now that you know maybe all the PvP stuff is now all done and out of the way. We know a lot of you know we know a lot about PvP. We know how it's going to work, with how things are done. Now maybe the focus for the new year blitz is going to be the PvE stuff we've been asking for. You know. Yeah. They're actually going to start giving out those detailed videos, those those interviews, those little shorts, those dev questions saying, all right, now we're going to give you all about the PvE content. We're going to tell you about the 1 to 50 stuff. We're going to tell you about uh, the four-man content. We're going to tell you about the the 50 plus, 50 plus plus stuff that everyone's been asking for. And if they do it the way they did the, the, the PvP information, then I think – it's going to be very successful, and it's going to garner a whole lot more support with the game. You know, the fan base is just going to grow even more. Mm. Hopefully you're right. Um, I did find that uh, piece of information I wanted to get across, and, and that is the information about the guild stores. That is that is what I had I had uh, yeah. struggled. It's nice to get a real answer on that. To huh? remember, yes. isn't it? And let's just go over this one more time. Guilds can claim ownership of either a farm, keep, lumber mill, lumber mill or a mine, and it and uh, is done by talking with a quartermaster at these locations. Guild stores in keeps and resources are available when a guild claims a keep or a resource, like a farm, lumber mill, or a mine. The quartermaster will then show the guild store to anyone that interacts with him or her, and players can purchase whatever the guild that owns the claim has posted in their guild store. It's great to hear that information. Um, that was something that I think a lot of people were had a big question mark over, and I don't think a lot of the internet has quite grappled that just yet because that is the shining jewel in that entire Q and A session that that he was able to to say that and, and come out with that. Definitely fantastic to hear, and um, I hope a lot of the other um, Elder Scroll sites out there sort of sort of latch onto that because that's a big that's a big topic to to talk on and. Um, you know, hopefully uh, our friends over at Tamriel Foundry and, uh, you know, TESOcast and uh, um, TESOF and, and all of them out there, uh, hopefully they're they're having active discussions and, and talking about this because it is big news and it, it would be great if everyone uh, would, would talk about it. I think uh, ShoddyCast releases their show tomorrow, right, guys? I believe so. Yeah, maybe this will be the – yeah, maybe they'll they'll – yeah. Guys, you know, yeah. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think Josh may be editing right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Okay, so so uh, QGN community segment. All right, guys, check up on the latest and greatest of Elder Scrolls news, general gaming, and how to join our wonderful growing community. Uh, you can do that over at ElderScrollsOffTheRecord.com. You can email this show at ElderScrollsOffTheRecord at gmail.com and follow us over at Twitter. Elder Scrolls Off the Record can be followed at Elder Scrolls OTR. I'm Avarwin. You can follow me at Evarwin. That's E V A R W Y N. Lou, right over here. That's GamerGuy11B. G A M E R G U Y 11B. And Dave is at D Enforce. D I E N. Do it right. Do it right. D I E N. Oh, see, this is why you're my second favorite. <laughs> At DN Force. And Shank's not here. He's in Boston. He uh he's enjoying the holiday with his family. Uh Merry Christmas, Shank, and we miss you. You can follow him at Shank the Tank, S H A N K T H T A N K. And for this week alone, uh leave off the E for savings on snowballs. QuestGamingNetwork.com is the website <laughs> for our networks, uh, for our, for our network's website. Uh, you can you can donate to our shows at QuestGamingNetwork.com. Ten dollars will get you a special mention if you prefer. Uh, if uh, but however, we would prefer it if you would uh, mention which which show you would like to have your special mention on. This way, this way we know uh, where to shout you out. However, any amount donated is a huge help for the network um, and would be greatly appreciated. Uh, at questgamingnetwork.com is where you can do that. And you can follow all of our other shows at like Rift Off The Record Live Sundays at 7 p.m. and follow them on Twitter at Rift OTR. Tell us she's doing a fantastic job because she is. Uh, her and Rob, by the way, um, but Liz is... Liz is leading the show and she's she's doing a great job, but you know, Rob she's too. Acceptable. She's doing fantastic. Uh <clears throat> Dungeon Quest, our Christmas special is due to record live on December twenty third. And you can follow that show at DQ Podcast. We have a great show written for that. Mm. We should probably write that show. Probably yeah, well let's let's go ahead and get that done tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we only we only get on that Sunday night. <laughs> At some point, Monday, fifteen minutes before the show. How are we going to end this thing? <laughs> and uh, Totally Heroes Mondays at ten p.m. Eastern. You can follow them at Totally Heroes. And Swotor Reforged is coming back, guys. The first episode yes. will be Monday, January thirteenth, two thousand fourteen, at seven p.m. Eastern. It's coming back, fellas, just as the way we left it. And as a little teaser, we recorded a very special segment last night with some very notable SWOTOR podcast personalities. Not too sure if I'm going to release it sooner than the 13th. I probably will. So you can follow SWOTOR Reforged. It's going to be at SWOTOR, S-W-T-O-R-R-E-F-O-R-G-E-D on Twitter. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on swotorreforge.com, S-W-T-O-R-R-E-F-O-R-G-E-D.com. And you can uh, grab uh, – we're also on Stitcher Radio too, by the way, if you uh, if you have the app. 
Uh, our forums, please jump on our forums. We're having a very active discussion right now on our forums regarding guilds. Okay, jump on there and let us know how you feel about our our proposition. We're not too sure if... Uh, well, go ahead. Go over to the forums and, and you'll see what's there. It's at questgamingcommunity.com. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash Elder Scrolls Off the Record. And again, you can check out all of our gaming videos, how-to guides, and podcasts live on twitch.tv forward slash Network. Or if you've uh, missed on a live show, we'll have it for you at youtube.com forward slash Network. But that ain't the end of the show. Oh, no. It should be, but it's not going to be. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year. Dave, give us a little a little Christmas wish. Okay, let me take my shirt off. Lou, give us a little Christmas wish. <laughs> Peace and happiness and goodwill towards all people on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Dave, with your shirt may on. Krampus, may Krampus not steal you and eat you in the middle of the night. We're going with that. We're going with that. Okay, so Lou. <laughs> uh, just want to say happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to everyone. Very nice. Um, thank you. This, uh, are we doing anything else this week? No, we're done. We're done we're for, done, dude. yeah, we're done, man. We're done, bro. This is like the last thing we're doing. Are you doing your show tomorrow night? Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow will then, be. Yeah. That's like the last thing we're doing. Yeah. This is the last podcast for the for the year. For the year. For the year. Um, thank you. Thank you to everyone who listens, um, who writes in, who, who tweets at us, who follows us, who downloads us um, from iTunes, from Stitcher, from our websites, listening in on the website, from... Uh, going to our our feed and, and taking our um, our feed from there and, and listening on our phones. Thank you for listening to us on your commute. Thank you for telling us things like you know you helped me through some tough times in my life. Thank you for uh, telling us you 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 feel like friends to me even though I've never met you before. Thank you for allowing us to be your faithful companion throughout that commute um, throughout your workday. Thank you for watching us on YouTube. Thank you for watching us on Twitch. Um, thank you for coming in and joining our community, for, for joining us on Mumble and all the games that we play together. Thank you. This has been... 2013 has been an unbelievably epic year. I never, ever, ever thought Elder Scrolls Off the Record would, would hit 93 episodes and beyond. Uh, we have you to thank for that. We are experiencing um, a big surge in our download numbers right now for all of our shows, and I thank you for it. Because without you, um, without you going to you know tweakedaudio.com and buying stuff and putting our you know our code in there, um, you know we wouldn't have the the you know some of the some of the financial um, backing that we have. Uh, without you donating to us and shouting us out, we wouldn't have uh, that financial uh, backing as well. Um, I, I'm beside myself with with excitement um, for 2014. I am I am humbled by the kind of uh, reputation that we've managed to eke out across um, the Elder Scrolls universe. I mean. <laughs> 
Bethesda uh, put us as a as an official fan site on their on their um, on their their website. Uh, we have working relationships with Bethesda with Zenimax Online Studios, and and all of this because you listen to our our insanity, our ramblings, our our you know uh, lofty opinions and our our uh, stupidity. <laughs> and I thank you for all of that. I wish you and everyone that you know a happy, a safe, a blessed new year. Um, take care, everyone. Be safe. May the foose be with you.
many times, many ways.